Hello, everybody. Chet here again, bringing you another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. This uh, week we have, let's see, is it 122? Let me pull it up on SoundCloud here. Well, I'm it, regardless, I'm interviewing <clears throat> Jasmine Worth. Yes, episode 122. And I already interviewed Jasmine Worth. And it was a great interview. She's an old art pal. We started showing right around the same time, but we'll get into that in, in the interview. She's was very easy to interview, very talkative, which is perfect for a podcast, obviously. Uh, very articulate, and she's a great artist. So I really enjoyed this interview. So I hope you enjoy it as well. Uh, let's see. I'm still in the process of recovering from the administrator show. Just a little update on my life. The show opened yesterday and huge crowds at the show at the Bainart Gallery in Australia. So that was kind of cool. Not a lot of sales yet, but um, hopefully that will come. Uh, so if you're interested, go to, uh, bainart.org, I believe, and you can purchase a piece because I'm not going to be doing a solo show for a year or maybe two at least, because I am not getting in that position again. I can't do it. That show just kicked my ass and, you know, I, luckily I was able to put together a show that I'm proud of. I thought the work was great. The frames were great. It was, you know, I was happy with the show, but it was not worth the physical suffering I went through to get there. It just isn't worth it to me because I feel like I probably took six months off my life that I'll lose in the end. <laughs> Every time I do a show like that, I feel like oh, I'm probably taking six months to a year off of my life. It's just too much. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So it's going to be a while <clears throat> before I do another solo show. Um, that's just all there is to that. Um, but, you know, it's all good. Hopefully everything sells, or most of it sells, because I need it to, uh, to keep the machine going. Other, other than that, I got an eye infection, which an eyelid infection. Like, I, I, the doctor didn't even know how I, I did it, but my, my eye started swelling up, and I'm on antibiotics now, so that's good. It's healing up. So I had another situation happen yesterday that was terrible. Um, I don't want to get into it, but everybody's everybody's okay. And, um, you know, I can't complain. But uh, I tell you, this has been a hell of a Mercury, Mercury retrograde period. I know people talk shit about, oh, it's, you know, it's all in your head. Mercury retrograde is bullshit, which I used to think. Until, you know, until I had a terrible experience and then I realized it was during Mercury retrograde. There, it, and usually it's circumstantial. You could say, oh, you're just, you know, it's Mercury retrograde, Mercury's in retrograde and uh, you're creating these bad situations subconsciously or something. It's all in your head. But the things that happen are, for one thing, you, you know, often I don't realize it's a mer Mercury retrograde period until after the bad things happen. And then secondly, 
they're circumstantial. Like I had nothing to do with it. I just, something bad happens to me that I didn't have anything to do with. So I don't know. I've had other Mercury retrograde periods where nothing bad happened to me. And I had all my friends telling me, oh, this is all this shit's happening to me. But I don't know. I, I, I'm in the crosshairs for this one. So I'm trying to lay low. I mean, the, the, the idea, as far as I, I understand it, the idea of astrology is that the stars are kind of a, uh, is it macrocosm of reality? And so this is my understanding of it. And I could be wrong, but there's kind of like an energetic, uh, uh, like a fractal energetic flow of life, a series of patterns, like repeated patterns, life and life energy uh, follows a certain pattern, right? And so not it's not so much that the stars are making are affecting our lives as much as the stars and the planets show in a big way this kind of energetic pattern that is repeated throughout life. So you can look to the stars and go, oh, we're about to hit this area of the pattern that that repeats this kind of fractal pattern that repeats and changes a little bit. So it's not so much a people think, oh, it's the stars are influencing your life. It's more, no more, more like, oh no, I'm looking outside of my uh, situation and looking at the energetic pattern of life. At least that's my understanding of it. I could be wrong, but that way it is, it makes sense to me because I do believe absolutely that life flows in an an energetic pattern you know there are patterns there are ups and downs and in life and you know life is ultimately all energy so anyway that's beside the point so uh yeah that's that's been what's going on with me and i'm just like i said keeping my head low trying to get through this month uh if you want to support me you can go to patreon.com slash chetzar. And I am going to be doing a pin promotion on there for people at all levels are going to get a free glow in the dark gas mask pin. And for like a month, I'm going to offer this. I haven't started it yet, but maybe by the time this airs, I may have happened. I'm going to have it for all the people on the Patreon so far and anybody who joins within this month. It's a cool little pin with my gas mask logo glows in the dark anyway patreon.com slash chetzar and while i'm at that if you want to support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month you can go to patreon.com slash dark art society if you appreciate what i'm doing with this podcast i look back on all these episodes and i can't believe i have interviewed all these artists it's pretty amazing and there's no shortage. I've got a huge list and I'm just knocking them down one by one. And then that, that doesn't even, you know, consider repeat visitors that are going to come back and be on again. So this thing's going to go on for as long as I can do it. Okay. Anyway, um, let's see new subscribers, new Patreon subscribers. 
you know, when you subscribe to the podcast, you get to hear the podcast. Or when you subscribe to the Patreon, you get to hear the podcast a day or two early. So that's a little benefit. Plus, you get screen grabs of the people that are being interviewed. And as I get my life together, And for for those of you who are newer, this was something that Mike Carell and I was doing this podcast, and he had to, he had to uh, leave the podcast for uh, because of circumstances in his life, so he wasn't able to continue with it. So uh, now I'm doing it by myself. So it's you know it's hard to I you know you know me I'm always I'm, I'm trying to get my life in order. I've got too much on my plate, and I'm trying to um, you know in a in an ideal world, I'd be able to like delegate. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this, and, and I'd be able to still keep you know my own uh, balls in the air, so to speak. That's a juggling analogy, by the way. So get your mind out of the gutter. But I, you know, I have to keep my life going and my um, career going, and the money coming in. So it's it's just you know I'm trying to do everything as best I can. But I have a vision for this Patreon for the dark art society as well as my own. <clears throat> and I'm working towards that and I will get there, but it's going to be great. And everybody who's been along for the ride will benefit for it. Ultimately, I believe because it's going to be, it's going to be great, but I'm working on it. So let's get to the new subscribers. I think there might only be one or two. Let's see. Um, I think the last one I said was Ben Corvo last week. Um, yeah, that's probably right. We have Tom Luth. Thank you, Tom. <clears throat> You're making it happen, Tom. You're making this podcast happen. Same with Ramon Aguirre. 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 My granddaughter speaks Spanish, and my daughter-in-law does speak fluent Spanish, so I'm trying to learn how to pronounce things better. Aguirre. Aguirre. It's two R's, you get the rolling R. That's what my granddaughter told me. Or no, my daughter-in-law. Anyway, I'll say it in the Americanized way. Ramon Aguirre, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. You and everybody who's supporting the Patreon are the kind of first line of support. Now, if you can't afford a dollar a month, you could always share the podcast. Um. Like Jasmine Worth, who I, who you're about to hear the the interview of, I um she she was kind of hadn't listened to a lot of the podcast. She was all into it and the idea of the dark art society, and she mentioned, you know, if you need any anything, just let me know because she wants to support. And I said, well, if you could share the podcast, you know, put to people you think might be interested, and and uh, that would be great. And she posted on Facebook. A really nice review about the podcast and tagged a few people that she thought would be interested. And then there was a little thread going on with people saying, Oh, I didn't know about this. This is great. I can't wait to listen. And that's, you know, this whole thing has been word of mouth. We've never paid for ads. Not to say we won't, because that's one of the things I want to do with this Patreon money is to pay for ongoing ads just to get the word out. <clears throat> so if you if if you can't support, even if you can't support sharing, um, rating the podcast. Anything you can do to get the word out. The bigger we are, the more listeners we have, the more we all will benefit because there will be more resources for us to uh, turn into benefits for you as an artist or as a, as a dark art fan. It, everyone benefits from this. So, okay. 
Thank you guys for supporting. I appreciate that. Okay, let's get into the five questions, and then we can get into this excellent interview. Uh, I'm going to start off with this one by Amelia Hofstede, because I get it a lot. And so I figure I'm going to have to answer this question every so often, just because you'll, you'll know why when I read it. Okay, why is the number five significant to you and your work? I'm sorry if you've mentioned it before. I don't remember ever hearing about it. I I'm definitely have in the past podcasts. I don't know which ones, but um, the the short answer is if you really want to know the, the in-depth story of the number five in my life, check out the documentary that Mike Carell made about me and my art and about dark art, really, because the, the documentary ended up being more about dark art, I think, than anything else and the influence of that in the world. But um, uh, the, 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 that's the short answer. I like to paint monsters. Chet Zar, I like to paint monsters, is on iTunes, and you can buy it at chetzar.bigcartel.com, a signed version, by, signed by me. And you can also get it on Amazon and on eBay. But anyway, that's a, a DVD. But anyway, um, uh, I got to slow down on this coffee. I'm getting ahead of myself. Too much coffee this morning. Uh, I'll say, you know, I also say, oh, it's the um, superficial answer is it's my lucky number. But truthfully, it's a spiritual number to me. How I arrived at the number, you should probably watch the documentary um, to get the full story. But what it means to me is to never forget what my purpose is, to never forget to try and be good and try and be a positive influence in the world. That's what it means to me. And so by putting it in, in all the paintings, it's like I'm constantly reminding myself, this is what you're, you know what you're here for. You need to remind yourself and not forget the important things in life, you know, what you're meant to be doing and just trying to make a positive impact on the world, really. So that's what that is. Uh, okay. Michael R. Miller asked, this is a long question, but I'm going to answer it. Uh, do you think artists will ever experience the same emotional response as a singer being exposed to the world for the first time? I have been watching shows like The Voice, and it gives me full body chills sometimes when they are singing. I also love it when they're super emotional, realizing their hard work has been finally realized. Maybe artists get a more drawn out version versus all the emotions at once. I think that's a good point because maybe we do get a more drawn out version, but I do think that, I mean, I know at periods of my life, I felt that like, oh, it's, I've arrived or I've gotten to this point, this thing I always wanted to do, like the ego death show. That was, you know, that was one of those body chilled moments when you see that thing happening. Although, you know, you have a different perspective than an outsider looking in. Uh, it's hard to separate yourself. So it's maybe a different experience, but uh, I think you can get that with like a big show or, you know, selling out a big show or getting featured somewhere. That could be in the future, a TV show featuring us on there. You never know. But, uh, just kind of reading over the question to make sure I answer it correctly. I don't know. I think it's possible to have that experience. I think the, just, the, you know, because we're such a niche market that it might, you know, we're, 
chances are we're not going to be on a, a dark art version of the voice. And, I, and that's where you get something like that is a, you know, a network show, but you know, I don't, um, I don't doubt that anything's possible really. So you never know. You just never know. But anyway, where we sit now, I think we have opportunities to experience that kind of thing. Uh, but you know, it's rare. It's a rare thing. It's not what most of us will ever go through because out of all the people that wanted to be on the voice that were good enough to get on the voice and, um, then get a value. I don't really watch. I haven't, I've seen just clips. I haven't watched the show, but you know, get judged and, and get positive reviews on a, on the world stage. You know, that's a rarefied position. That's not for many people in the world really. So I don't know. Hopefully that answers your question. Okay. Joey Edwards is going to get the last three. Cause he asked a bunch of really good questions in a row. <clears throat> okay. Joey Edwards. How do you feel about posting your art on Reddit? There are places such as r forward slash art and r forward slash creepy art that have a large communities. As a professionally renowned artist, do you feel that Reddit is worth posting to? I probably should be posting there. I wasn't even aware of it. Reddit's a whole different animal. It's like there's Reddit people and there's people that don't know about Reddit. And I'm one of those people that doesn't really know about Reddit. I had a, a friend of mine <clears throat> who is on Reddit all the time try and line up a, a, an ask me anything session and i thought that would have been cool but they uh the people never got back to me about it they said they were going to do it the, the reddit moderators or whatever and they never got back to me so that didn't happen so i do have an account there but i haven't posted some people have posted my work in there and it got a lot of um action you know Stuff I did for Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, some designs I did, they posted it on there, and I uh, somehow came across that. Someone showed it to me, and it did get a lot of interest, so I think it's probably a great idea, and I probably should be doing it myself. I'm not snobby, really, when it comes to that. I think there's no such thing as bad promotion or too much promotion, really, if you're an artist, especially a dark artist. I would post everywhere. Um, you know, there might be one person in there that's an interested buyer, no matter where you're posting, even if it's on like deviant art or whatever. So that answers that question. Okay. What's the best way? This is another question from Joey Edwards. What's the best way to legally be a professional artist, sole proprietorship, LLC, something else? Why pros and cons? Well, I'm an LLC and Honestly, uh, I don't really know the difference between being an LLC and being like a, an S corp or a C corp. There's all these different corporations. LLC is basically, um, at least in California, I'm not sure if it's different in other parts of the country. I don't, I think that's a, is it a federal thing? I'm not sure, but anyway, an LLC, no, it's gotta be a federal thing. An LLC is limited liability corporation or company. Uh, and it offers protections that basically if something, you know, it, it's probably won't, won't ever apply to what I'm doing. 
or what us doing as artists are doing, but let's say you painted a picture and sold it to someone and the painting exploded because of some weird process you did and blew up in someone's face and burned them. They wouldn't be able to sue you. They'd be able to sue your, they'd have to sue your business. So it's like a kind of a firewall of protection, legal protection. Uh, and it's like 800 bucks a month. You have to, uh, kind of estimate your, your, um, your, how much you earn. So you have to pay 800 up, up front a month, like, which I believe is like your minimum, what you have to pay tax wise with that. Anyway, obviously by the way, I'm ex explaining myself. I'm not the person to be asking. I asked my tax guy. And that's what he recommended in LLC. And I know some other friends of mine who have LLC, LLCs. I know that in corporations, you have to take like meetings and you have to have someone taking notes, minutes, and all this weird stuff. But LLC seems to be a good, uh, it's what, it seems like the easiest one to do too. It's pretty simple. So I say LLC, even though I don't totally know what I'm talking about. Okay, now the fifth question. Uh, okay. What are your quantifiable measures for success? In a recent Q&A, you spoke about how you hadn't reached the level of success that you want, like you hadn't made it yet. From an outside perspective, it seems like you, in many ways, you are already there. That, can, that said, I can understand that as we grow in our career, our per perceptions of success shift and evolve. Where are you now, knowing where you came from? What goals are you aiming for to hit that next level and what are you doing to achieve them um oh shit my wife just came home hopefully this doesn't she's talking to someone hopefully you don't hear all that noise in the background um anyway so i would say that <clears throat> okay uh i thought i answered this question but i don't think i have it's not marked off. I usually mark off the, the questions I, I've answered. But I feel like um, that, you know, uh, success is... Uh, hold on a second. I'm going to ask him to quiet down. Okay, of course the neighbor was just leaving when I went out there. Okay, so, uh, you know, yeah, success is, is kind of subjective, really. You know, um, for me, su success is basically the, the, the things I have going on now, a successful art career in the sense that I could, you know, have, have an art show that, a gallery, people support my work online. They like it. Uh, people know who I am because of my work. Uh, I'm able to sell things, and because I'm, I'm, uh, I have a fan base, I'm able to sell to people and earn a living. So that is, you know, I've got pretty much everything. I've succeeded in that respect. Um, what I don't have at this point is. Um, you know, like, how do I put this? I don't have a lot of 
financial security really because it's I'm still at a point where you know the expenses are it's it's expensive running this whole thing a uh, business and having you know living in California and having a house paying a mortgage and all that business so basically I want to be making more money so I don't have to worry as much about paying bills every month that's the bottom line so and I and I believe I will get there it could happen anytime it could happen any day any day things could change you know um I'm, I feel like I'm uh slowly progressing i'm always climbing up the ladder things are always better than they were before but you know it's funny the more money you make the more money it costs to make the money so it's you know you move up a little bit and your expenses move up a little bit so it's kind of you're trying to outpace the uh expansion of your business really with your income so but that having said all that you know, you have to define what success means to you. And then when you get there, you know, you focus on it. And when you get there, you acknowledge it. But I do think that, you know, I know pr some pretty successful people and they are always, you know, wanting to go further. So I think once you get there, you kind of reevaluate things and your, your baseline becomes different. And then you kind of look further ahead than you were able to when you were first starting out. When I was first starting out, I used to say, I used to visualize, because you know, if you know, if you listen to the podcast, you know me, you know, I'm a big proponent of creative visualization or, you know, that magic kind of stuff where you're manifesting your reality through your thoughts and your uh, concentration. And I would, I would, used to do it hard when I was first starting because I was like, oh, I want this to work. So I'm super focused and I would visualize myself being, what was, how did I word that in my mind? Successful. Uh, a well-known successful artist, maybe. Oh, well-respected. That's what it was. I, I, my, my, my mantra with um, trying to create this career was I am a successful and well-respected artist. I think I don't even know if I said successful, well-respected artist, which, you know, I feel like I've got that. I feel like, you know, I, I've, I've got respect and people know me and, and I, you know, definitely I, I'm in the 1% of people who are making their living creating artwork, which is amazing. You know, but like I said, it's, I'm not all the way there. And I feel like when I, when I get to a point where <clears throat> I don't have to hustle every month to pay the bills, I'll be as far as that'll be kind of like my, my baseline model of success is when I'm, you know, still working because I love to work. I love to paint, I love to make art, but I don't just don't have to work as hard every month and that maybe I got a little bit of backup in the bank to cover some off months. Anyway, did that answer your question? I don't know. I hope it did. Anyway, thanks for the questions. Let's get on with the interview. I've been yakking too much coffee. Uh, thank you for the support and 
please enjoy this interview with Jasmine Worth. What's up, Jasmine? Hi, chat. I was going to say, for some reason, I was going to go, hello, Jasmine. It just (laughs) popped in my head and then I forgot. (laughs) The time came to do that. (laughs) Hello, Jasmine. Hi, Chet. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> How are you? I appreciate you coming on. I've been I've had you on my list since I think we started doing artist interviews. It's oh, just awesome. it's you know, it's like how do you choose? There's so many yeah. people on the list. It's just right. sort of like, oh, this person just posted something that reminded me I want them on the podcast and blah blah. So thank you for yeah. coming on finally. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So are you you're down in San Diego, right? I am, yeah. Born and raised. Oh, really? San Diego. Yep. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so weird that the 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 kind of the dark art capital of the world is Southern California. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't I mean? think it. It's all yeah. sunny you... and beaches and nice weather, <laughs> and it's it's where all like most of the yeah. the dark art comes from. I think. I I mean I can see it more in L.A. I think people are yeah. always surprised yeah. to hear I'm from San Diego, That's and true. then they're surprised to hear I'm from San Diego, and then they're surprised I want to stay in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> people, you know what people. I know people from San Diego love San Diego. It's really beautiful in San Diego. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I really do. I really like it here. And, uh, but it is definitely different. I mean, I come up to the art shows in LA and I, every once in a while, I kind of have that moment where I think I should move to LA. I, there's so many cool people here. The art scene's so great. All my art friends are up here. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, my family's here in San Diego. I've got lifelong friends here, people I grew up with. So, um, yeah, and it's all I stay. It's only what three? See, there's a dog interruption right here. <laughs> I'm sure she, you'll mind in a minute. Jasmine was telling me that she was worried that her dogs were going to be barking, and I was like, "This is a dog friendly podcast." <laughs> Already interrupted. Let me shut the door. Sorry. Sure, no problem. Dog. Right, you're staying in here for the whole interview. Okay. Um. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Um, you were saying how far San Diego? Oh was yeah, from. it's only like three and a half hour drive or something or three hour drive right i would say it's like it's like two to seven hours yeah (laughs) depending on the traffic (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's true i I remember one time i I went to comic-con and i think it took eight hours to get home yeah that sounds about right yeah it's like our one cultural art event down here in san diego where i actually get to see a lot of you know artists come into town but yeah the you know hotels are mobbed the you know, getting out is crazy. Like, yeah, so it's, it's a pretty big event here. But um, yeah, I mean, on a really good day, my best days, LA is about two hours. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's that's the, the I mean, I live outside of LA. I'm in Monrovia. So I'm like, oh, OK, uh, like 30 or 40 minutes out, outside of LA. And so okay. um, I like that. I don't LA is too much for me. Yeah. So, so that living in San Diego is 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 great i think because you're close enough to, to come in for a show yeah and far enough away to be away from it all and you're by the beach and yeah yeah it's nice yeah i remember one of the shows i came up to see one of your shows at cop row one of the big group ones that you curated and i drove up there and it took me two hours and my friends and i were like why don't we come up here more often this is wonderful <laughs> we go to all these shows and then we drove home and it was midnight and they shut down the freeway and it took us over six hours to get home. <laughs> what a nightmare. Yeah, we were so exhausted. I was like, that's why. That is yeah. why <laughs> <laughs> we don't go to LA more often. If it was just a two hours, I say bring on the driverless cars. I'm ready for that. Yeah. At least long commutes. I'm I'm so ready to 
you know, just be able to buzz up to LA and see you guys without having to worry about a potential uh, five or six hour traffic jam. Yeah. Or jetpacks. Jetpacks will be cool for that. Just try to fly <laughs> yes. up or helicopter would be nice. Yep. <laughs> yeah. One seater. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. We, I mean, we've been showing together forever, right? I mean, how? I think since 2003. If wow. I had to yeah. Guess. That's when I, that's when I first started, you know, so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I officially started painting in 2000 and then I was in, you know, random shows, cannibal flower shows and stuff for the first few years. And I think I got really serious around 2005 when I maybe had my first solo show, I think. Yeah. So we've, I mean, definitely been showing for a long a time. Long so, time. You're, you know, you've been a staple in the scene <laughs> from yeah, the beginning. So, yeah. I think I had my first solo in 2005 as well. I would have to double check that, but um, yeah, I think we we line up pretty pretty closely on that. I actually I remember getting the offer for my first big show. I was working at a a record store here in San Diego called Music Trader, and I uh, you know I had it was just a you know it was the typical record store experience. Um, and uh, <laughs> you know I'm working, I get a bunch of people there, and then I get a call on my phone, and I see that it's Billy Shire. And I was so excited. I kicked everyone out of the store. <laughs> I closed the store. I went into the office and I had this conversation with Billy, which at the time was just mind blowing to me that Billy Shire was calling me on the phone. And, right. you know, he offered me a, you know, a solo show or I think maybe a four person show. It was mm -hmm. a big show for me at the time. And, oh, my gosh, I was so excited the whole rest of the day. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I, I want to say that was around 2005. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah my my first one was a. Uh a four person show too at Copro. It was, it was okay. me and Dan Quintana and I yeah. God, I can't remember who the other two were. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Whoever you were, uh, my, right. you know, it's nothing personal. It's just my memory's terrible. So that picture I sent you of you and me and Dan Quintana, was that, was that that show? Cause I That's know that a good was question. Copro. Let me look yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> wait, no, that is at that was at uh, the show I did with my dad. Oh, when right. worlds collide, that was at um, yeah. La Majorie Gallery. Okay, yeah, awesome. yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was super cool. <laughs> wow. So, okay, um, let's see. Let's let's get to the the basic questions. Um, okay. Yeah. I, again, you're you're one of these. It's weird. Like I was saying this to who was I saying it to? I don't know. A lot of the artists that come on, it's like, I feel like we're old friends because we've yeah. been showing together forever. We see each other just about every show. And, but I don't hardly know anything about you really, because it's like, right. you know, it's, it's <laughs> like, we're all part of the same tribe, but I've never like sat down and said, mm, how'd you get your start? Just, you know, the usual talk because right. it's, you know, it's usually kind of like, you know how the shows are we're all together hanging out and just having fun and it's you know it's hard everyone's talking to everybody it's like a school yeah. reunion or whatever but so <laughs> so now's my opportunity to to um find out about your life so were were first off were you the weird art kid in school absolutely yes. yes definitely 100% <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah point loma high school i was the weird art kid how far i mean when did you were you drawing at a really early age i i, I read uh, i was doing a little bit of research and i read that you did an oil painting of vlad the impaler like when you were 13 or something like that <laughs> i did pretty damn i did cool. i posted that on my instagram a couple of years ago cuz i found it i thought it had been lost forever and then i was going through some of my old 
you know, pagan witchy books that I had when I was like 12, 13, 14. And I was just kind of clearing stuff out. And I found this old painting, you know, on a little uh, canvas board, just like a four by six stuffed in there. And it was my Vlad the Impaler. It was the very first oil painting wow. I did. Yeah. Um, when I was three, I did a drawing of Fred Flintstone that my mom loved. It <laughs> stuck it on the fridge and it's laminated somewhere. And uh, yeah, I've always um, I've always known I wanted to do art. It's never been, you know, something that I questioned or wavered from. It was just more of a matter of like, how do you make a living doing that? Right. So. Yeah. Um, so you had supportive parents with your art? Uh, my dad wasn't really in the picture. Uh, stepdad was on drugs, pretty abusive. Uh, so can't say he was supportive of anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, he may have supported you leaning towards dark art in that, there we in go. that regard, <laughs> unintentionally. Supportive in his own way. Um, my, mom, uh, my mom was very supportive. Yeah, she was and still is very supportive. She usually goes to all my big, you know, shows out here on the West coast. If I have a, a solo show or a four person show, my mom's usually there. Oh, um, cool. she got me through art college. She helped me with the insane amount of art college debt that I had. And, uh, yeah, she's always been very encouraging, even though, um, she definitely, uh, I'm sure you hear this a lot, but de maybe doesn't understand the kind of art, you know, uh -huh. that we do, but, uh, <laughs> still you very should, you supportive. know what? You should get her a copy. I'll send you one of my the documentary that Mike made about me. I like the yeah. monsters documentary because it, yeah, it, uh, not to promote myself. I'm, I'm, but but because <laughs> it he started making it about me, and then it ended up being more about what dark art means and what it's about. And it's really a good uh, like he showed mm -hmm. it to his parents because they didn't get dark art at all. And, yeah. And after watching it, they were like, "Oh, I kind of understand this whole dark art thing now." You oh, know? that's awesome. So yeah. I'll, I'll send you I'll, a copy. I'll, I have to get her a copy and I'll sit down and watch it with her because I've been meaning to watch it anyways. So. Oh, yeah. Cool. Cool. That'd be a good bonding experience. Yeah, for <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, she's not she did. She doesn't live in San Diego. She's she does live in oh, San Diego. Does? Yeah. Oh, so okay, I was cool. born here um, in San Diego and in, in, uh, grew up in Ocean Beach. And then my mom moved out to East County when I was a little bit older. We spent a quick year in Florida, but came right back. Um, and, uh, yeah, I spent the rest of my childhood kind of in East County and then I've been all over Metro San Diego, but, uh, yeah, so she's here in San Diego and, um, she'll so she... drive up to LA for my shows. Oh, okay. She's driven up to San Francisco for some of my shows. Um, oh, nice. recently I did a painting and she was so excited and she said, Oh, there's nothing, there's nothing dark in this one. And then she looks down and she goes, Oh, it, it's bleeding. It's oh, bleeding. It's its heart was ripped out oh oh it's oh, bleeding okay. from the eyes never mind <laughs> never mind <laughs> that's uh i mean that's a good segue into the subject matter that you paint uh yeah. i love your work i love your paintings it's like they're like religious iconography uh like like uh how do you do you have a like a, a way you describe them or a, a term for them because it's very specifically you it's like these saints almost these yeah. stone stone-faced female <laughs> saints kind of or <laughs> religious icons right. <laughs> um yeah no i don't i don't Bleeding know eyes. I have <laughs> terminology for it i guess or a name that i call it but um you know, I, I am very attracted to the idea of kind of like the sacred feminine and this idea of um, the women, especially in a lot of mainstream, uh, you know, Christian religions and things like that, where 
they were maybe kind of took a backseat role, maybe a little subjugated to the more like (laughs) maybe a little, little, just just a a little. And uh, (laughs) yeah, but they were always there. And so I kind of see, you know, there's that evolution from the goddess. And then it's like they kind of snuck the goddess in the back door, you know, Mm -hmm. so they could still have her. And uh, she maybe, you know, would be the Virgin Mary or something like that now. And so that's a lot of the imagery I rely on. I grew up in a uh, Italian family. My mom calls herself a recovering Catholic. So, you know, I kind of had that imagery around me, but it never, you weren't really it never, yeah, I was raised. never religious. Oh, yeah. Okay, I wasn't okay. raised religious. So my mom got away from it. My mom was in Catholic school and all that, but she, uh, she wasn't raised with it. And then when I was younger, I, you know, I found paganism and I got really into the goddess. And I think I was mm. just, I was really trying to find a strong female figure. I grew up, I kind of touched on it a little bit, but I grew up in a pretty abusive household. And mm. and so I think kind of, uh, always being at the mercy of a, of a man that I thought was, you know, more at least physically powerful than me. Mm. Um, I really wanted to find kind of a, a stronger female figure. And that kind of became, I, I guess, like a goddess figure for me. But then I just found it so interesting how she survived in so many male dominated really, um, religions, mm-hmm. but kind of, you know, as the Virgin Mary, or like I said, you know, maybe a little bit of a backseat character, but then, you know, you have like the cult of the Virgin and these groups that still worshiped her kind of as their main deity, uh, right. even within Christianity. So yeah, I find that stuff really interesting. Um, I, you know, and, and then I, just that duality between women being subjugated, but then also, you know, so powerful at the same time. Right. It's just interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting that maybe, I mean, to play arm, armchair psychologist a little bit that, that these women, <laughs> represent your mother in a way like because that's what she was to you yeah. i imagine right like the yeah she she was in the you know you being a kid in that environment is bad enough and and i i think about this with my own mother and my biological dad how she just dealt with this guy who was just you know had mental illness basically and was abusive and psychologically and it's just like i imagine i i know how it was for me and i just think <laughs> wow it must have been really crazy for her and so yep. it's like, she's like this hero to me that she dealt with that. So maybe your paintings are in a way that as well. Like maybe she's the goddess under underneath it all. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think some of my work I've attributed to her. So I, I've done a couple paintings called mother or some variation on that. And I kind of see her in that role, but also, um, I think I see myself in that role so much mm. because I felt very alone when I was a kid. So I really felt like it was me kind of uh, I, I don't want to say fending for myself because my yeah. mom, you know, I always had a roof over my head. I always had food, right. but I, felt um, I still way. felt very vulnerable yeah. and not safe. And so there were these things I would do to try to make myself feel safe. And, um, and, and so, yeah, I think that comes out a lot in my artwork and, uh, but uh, you know, also my mom played a huge role in my life. And so, yeah, I have done a lot of pieces, you know, mother and things like that, where uh, it's kind of my relationship with her and the, the relationships with the women in my life. Um, I think a lot of that comes out in my paintings, definitely. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's it's all women you paint, right? It's all women. <laughs> yes. That's cool. That's cool. Yes. I, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm, I, I have been saying for a while that, um, especially the dark art scene is is male dominated. So it's like, oh, you yeah. know, I the more women, the better. So you know, oh, awesome. I, I think that's um, important and impor- important to have that in any male dominated field really yeah you know because there's no no reason for it um uh so okay wait i mean when did you start doing these types of paintings these these this 
whatever you call them. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, the kind of, I don't know. Sacred Virgin goddess, yeah. Virgin Mary, <laughs> Catholic. Sacred feminine-ish. Um, <laughs> gosh, I don't know. It has been a while now. I would have to look back. I, I feel like I, you know, I kind of go through chunks of things. So this has been a chunk of my art career for a while where I've painted some similar imagery. I think my style has changed a lot as far yeah. as my painting technique. Yeah. I've noticed but the imagery has stayed somewhat similar or, you know, um, it's, a little it, consistent. It's yeah. It seems like <clears throat> looking at your old work versus your, your newest work, it seems like the old stuff was a little more, um, like, uh, distorted. And now it looks, the stuff looks a little more like proportionally, like a little more, mm -hmm. like, almost like using photo reference before you were just kind of going out of your head. Maybe, I don't know if you're right. used or not, but more like, uh, they're a little more traditional portrait right. now compared to some of the other stuff was, you know, you had weird figures that had, odd, yeah. you know, weird shaped eyes far apart or, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to I kind of go more for that really old Gothic art style yeah, where that's fingers it. were elongated, things yeah, were yeah. thin, eyes were kind of spread apart. There was, maybe some, you know, just stylistically different mm -hmm. choices. And then I started kind of evolving a little bit more towards, I wanted to do, um, kind of like you were saying a little more representational with my figures, I guess. Um, so yeah, I, I jumped ahead to that style of painting a little bit more, but yeah, the subject matter kind of stayed similar. So yeah. I don't know exactly. I would have to look back. I do distinctly remember there was a show when I made that change and my friends, Stephen Daly and Dan Quintana, who we were talking about earlier, they mm -hmm. came to it and we all went out afterwards and we were talking about it. And, you know, they were very complimentary. They liked what I was doing, the direction I was going. And, um, but that feels like ages ago now. So I know it's hard to keep the, yeah. the older we get. It's, you know, I was looking <laughs> at some posts that came up from eight years ago on Facebook the other day. And I was like, I have no, yeah. you know, it, in one yeah. way, it's like this frame I sculpted and it was from eight years ago. And I was like, that seems like it was, you know, a couple of years ago. And then it also seems like it was 20 years ago. I have it's yeah. like everything is so just jumbled, weird. right? Yeah. It's yeah. just yes. chaos. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. But do you remember when you, um, uh, uh, one thing I hear from uh, younger artists so often is, is how to, how to find, how do I find my thing? How do I, how do I find my, my voice and what to paint? Do you remember a moment where you're like, okay, I'm gonna, did you make a conscious decision? I'm going to do these female religious icons or was it just something that just kind of gradually happened or. It was a pretty conscious decision. So oh, cool. uh, when I paint, I usually go through and I kind of research some things. I'll pick a theme um, and I'll do some research. And then I, I really try to put a lot of that into my paintings, the things that I've you know, looked up and learned. And, um, I, I do remember kind of making a decision that I wanted to paint, you know, this, what I saw is kind of a combination of all of the elements of like the evolution of the sacred feminine. Mm. So I, I do remember making a pretty conscious decision about that. I had been painting women, you know, for a little bit and they were kind of these goddessy figures. And then I just, I'm so drawn to that Catholic imagery, even though I'm not Catholic, I just think it's beautiful. Oh, There's something yeah so iconic about it to me like i i just love it and me too. you know we'll go to these art museums with friends and they want to go to the marta you know the more conceptual art stuff and it's not that i dislike that it just doesn't hit me the same way some yeah. of those old art pieces do so when i went to prague uh, my friends and i split off so i went to go see this like really old catholic you know art museum that no one else wanted to see they wanted to go see all this other <laughs> more 
um, modern stuff. And, and, uh, I think, yeah, I don't know. That's always resonated for me. So I do remember making that, that distinct choice that I was going to try really hard to figure out what that looked like to me. So this melding of, or, or this like consistent thread of just kind of the sacred feminine or these like strong women throughout all these religions. So from the goddess, you know, to the Virgin Mary, and then, you know, sometimes up to the modern or these, you know, I'll kind of hint at things in there that women have done throughout history, mm. um, you know, like the tattoos on the faces. So right. um, from what I understand, there's a little bit of controversy or maybe differences in cultures as to why women do that. But my understanding is in some cultures, women were doing that to make themselves unattractive to people that might come in, rape them or enslave oh them. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was a way to, you know, kind of um, mark themselves in a way that might make them less, less appealing to, to, right. Misers. Um, so I found that really interesting. Yeah. Um, but really I, I'm not sure. Up too. <laughs> super fucked up, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I found that so interesting in such a, but then I think there's other cultures, you know, different cultures have done it for different reasons throughout time. Um, but I, I also had read somewhere that women were the uh, first ones to put tattoos on each other and have tattoos. Again, I don't know if this is wow. true. I'm not a historian, but <laughs> it's something that I came across that I thought was a, a really interesting idea, whether it was true or not. It was something that I kind of wanted to put into my art because I just thought, you know, these things were just very um, interesting concepts and ideas, things that women have done to kind of adapt to you know, a culture where, you know, uh, that they're trying to navigate, I guess, right, <laughs> if right. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, it makes total sense. Yeah. I love, I mean, Catholic imagery is so amazing. The churches are amazing and it's all, it's also yeah. like, um, it's kind of dark arty, you know, it's it kind is. of dark art, the whole Catholic it totally thing. Is. It's grim. In You've a, got in, women with pulling out their eyeballs and people getting stabbed through the neck and torture scenes. Oh and, yeah. And, the, and just Christ on the cross is, is so as grim as it gets. And it's, and it's, yeah. it's, 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 little torture super, instrument. Yeah, it's super yeah. dark art. It's beautiful and dark and grim at the same time, which is kind of what yeah. dark art, a big part of dark art is. It's interesting. You yeah. Know? yeah. I, and you got to wonder what the mindset was back then when people were making this stuff. Like, I'm sure that wasn't the mindset. It was, it was probably more right. about instil instilling fear and guilt, perhaps maybe mm -hmm. some of it. Yeah. But, but you know, you never know what the artists were thinking, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. It's, and you don't hear it talked about that much. It's just kind of like, it's like its own little thing, but you don't really hear about it talked about as man, this shit is dark. Dark is. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's a real, you know, current of kind of um, sacrifice running through Christianity in general. Right. right? So this mm -hmm. idea of like he died for our sins and, and these sacrifices that these martyrs made and these saints made. But yeah, often they were so gruesome. Um, and so, yeah, the depictions of them can be really um, beautiful, like you said, but at the same time, deeply disturbing. Yeah. And uh, I also really enjoy that juxtaposition. So I you know, I like to have that in my art, this idea of something that, you know, maybe looks really beautiful and then you get a little closer and there might be something really disturbing in there. And oh, yeah. You know, you, you, yeah. Yeah. Your stuff is like, you know, it, the women are always or not. All, I don't know if it's always, but maybe not always, but often crying blood. They've got knives sticking in them. You know, <laughs> they're, they're like wounded, I guess. You right. Know? Yeah, so it's I absolutely. guess this, the, the idea is this kind of. uh overcoming these wounds basically you know yeah i think yeah that's definitely um in there as well like this idea of coming through these these obstacles you know in your life um overcoming them and uh 
yeah, I've, I've always found that to like really resonate for me. So I, I think some of these saints um, strike a chord with me because of this idea of, uh, you know, these dark times in your life that we all go through and right. then you come out the other end um, and you might be kind of battle scarred for it, but right. you're a changed person. Um, hopefully for the, you know, for the better in a way, you know, if you can experience it, um, in that way as transformative, uh, it doesn't always go that way. Right. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can hope, uh, in a positive way. Yeah. But, um, I, I, you know, there was that quote from Anthony Bourdain, um, where he talks about that, how life changes you and you change, you know, the people that you come in contact with. And, um, I can't, you know, quote it directly, but I, I think that was the gist. And I just thought that was so profound mm-hmm. um, because life does change us. Our experiences change us. They're not always positive experiences. Right. Well, um, I, I was, yeah. I was just saying my wife and I were talking last night and we were saying, uh, we were talking, just basically talking about all these people that screwed us over, over the years. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and she was saying, but I don't, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't regret anything. And it's basically if you're, if you're happy where you're at or you can judge your happiness by how you view the people that screwed you over in the past. If you can go like, it's all good. It helped me to become the person I am. Then that means you're like good and happy where you're at now. And if you're miserable, then you're going to maybe be holding on to all the anger. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's all in how you process that stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dark, you're, you had a show called dark night of the soul, which is essentially (laughs) that, you know, the, 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 I mean, at least from the, from the magical standpoint, that's, that's like, you know, once you, get involved in magic there they say that you go through this really you can go through this really bad period and you end up coming coming out of you know going through the abyss and coming out of it like rebirth, right sort of you know yeah the alchemy of the soul right right yeah 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 <laughs> so <laughs> yeah um was that the show i did with you i think it is yeah the, uh okay yeah I, is last that the one where you did yeah yep yep the last right show i did uh it was mine was called endarkenment i think Okay. <laughs> and Dark yeah. Night of the Soul. I think that was it. Yeah. The one. In, okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, I just always remembered that title. I thought that Which was, one was the ego death one? That was, oh, that was, that was at Capro. Okay. Yeah. That was that big solo show where I had the funeral. I had like a funeral yeah, yep, procession. Yep. Cause I love, I loved that one. That was a show that I thought was really awesome. And oh, I think thanks. something that you know, just thematically, uh, I, I, I really felt like, um, uh, just a big connection to that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That yeah. was, I don't know if I'll ever top that one. That was kind of my, right. that was my big shot. You know, it's like, uh, that was an amazing show. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So you got, you got into, I mean, you're into, it sounds like you're into esoteric philosophy and spirituality kind of. I mean, from, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. It sounds like, bit. You, you know, I, I dabble a little bit with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you were interested in that early. It sounds like I was. So I kind of had the gateway of all the, you know, um, kind of more cheesy, like silver Raven wolf and you know, that kind of stuff. But then I also, you know, Raymond Buckland and then a lot of the Crowley mm-hmm. stuff. So I got into the OTO for a minute and, um, oh, wow. yeah, I was initiated into a, you know, a coven in Salem, uh, Massachusetts and, and so, yeah, I really, you know, I spent some time kind of studying that stuff and being involved in that stuff. And uh, it was amazing. It's not uh, s- as big of a part of my life at this point. Right. Um, I notice a lot so, of people that, yeah. that, that do that 
eventually, like with any of those kind of magical orders, you either like totally get into it and that's it. Oh, yeah. Or you kind of move on and, and you realize that, you know, these are all basically doing the same thing and mm-hmm. they're, they're all tools to kind of for whatever, you know, need it's fulfilling. And you, you kind of, once you, once you get to a certain point, you kind of like, I don't have to do this all the time. It's just sort of part right. of me. It's like, you, you know, yep. it's don't, don't you find that? I, I find that with a lot oh, of, a lot of people that were, uh, I, I do this, uh, uh, this, this guy, Jason Liu, who I interviewed, he's like this magician guy and he's got this website called magic.me, which is great. It teaches like everything mm-hmm. about magic. And he's the same way at this point. He's sort of like, you know, he's not part of some order. It's like he right. just has all this knowledge and he uses what he needs to whenever he needs to. And and, and he's got he's at a point, seems like now, where he's just more like uh, just fully into meditation kind of. And that's it. Yes. You know, because yeah. that's actually, the basis. That's kind of what I started gravitating toward. It's funny that you say that. That's why I started gravitating towards a little more. Uh, lately, so I've I've gotten kind of into a little more of the meditation mm-hmm. stuff, the Buddhist philosophy. I I really enjoy that. But also, you know, it's it's a funny thing. I don't know if you know who Lon Milo Duquette is. No. Um, but real real famous guy in the magic scene, and he's right here in Orange County. And uh, I kind of felt that way with him too. Like he's a you know an older guy, and I went to go visit him. This was years ago, and he just had a really cool laid back you know vibe about him. But all that stuff was still very much a part of of his life. Right. Um, but then, yeah, same thing. I have I have friends and acquaintances that are very immersed in it. It's completely their life. Um, and I think that's awesome. You yeah. know, I just for me, art is completely my life. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah, everything, everything else is, you know, also there, but uh, maybe more on the periphery so yeah, much. So yeah. it's still a part of me. But, you know, when I'm dedicating my time, the majority of my time to any kind of craft, it's you know, it's always going to be art. Yeah. 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 It's your main magical practice. I mean, that's how I feel, right. you know, cause exactly. it really, it really is, uh, uh, like a spiritual magical practice. I think. Art yeah. I is, absolutely you know. would agree with that. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy what it can do. It's really just the idea that you're creating something from nothing is amazing in itself, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great way of processing. I also <coughs> think it's a great way of, uh, getting to know yourself yeah, sometimes. Absolutely. So there's things that have come out in my art where I, um, I don't want to overstate it, but maybe I kind of had a revelation a few times with things that came out of me. And I just thought, Oh, what does that mean? Like, why did I paint that? Mm-hmm. Why am I drawn to that? So sometimes when people ask me what my art means, or they want me to explain it to them, uh, there's oftentimes where I just feel like I don't know yet. So I put right. that in there because it, you know, it resonated for me or it felt right, but I'm still, I'm maybe I'm still figuring out like what exactly, why does that image keep popping up for me? Why did that, you know, uh, click for me? Why am I drawn to that? And yeah, so I I think in some ways, you know, it's an outlet for expressing yourself, but I also think uh, it can be a a form of introspection, a way of getting to know yourself better. Uh, And, you know, like we were talking about earlier, kind of a transformative thing. So your art kind of changes with you as you change. And, you know, it's this really neat record of, you know, who you were and where you came from and where you're going. And it's pretty neat. Yeah. It's, yeah. So I think we, you know, a lot of times we look back at our old artwork and we cringe because maybe it's not where we wanted it to be technically, or, you know, maybe it looks a little ham fisted or a little, you know, whatever uh it is that we think later. But I I still, I think it's really nice to have that record of where you were, you know, at that point in your life to look back on. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely functions on that, on that level. But for me, you know, and it sounds like it's like this for you, it's, it's, it's the best way I have to getting at 
my subconscious other than, you know, mm-hmm. stuff comes up in everybody's stuff from people's uh, subconscious comes up in dreams for everyone, everyone who dreams. But um, I mean, I can't think of another way to get at that stuff that I, for myself, I mean, right. painting just for my subconscious is just like, you know, it's, it's like this weird technique on how to find out what the hell's going on inside of me in a way, you know? Yeah. And it's, no, absolutely. It's weird that it's, uh, I don't know. <clears throat> it's weird that for us as artists, it's this innate thing too. It's not like mm-hmm. we set out. I, I'm, I never set out to, I'm going to learn more about myself. So I'm going to learn how to be an artist. It was just like, <laughs> I'm an artist. Right. And then this little, and this byproduct is, is insight to myself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And yeah. I, I think some people find it through, you know, meditation or mm, therapy or introspection yeah. or, you know, um, even like psychedelic drugs. Um, mm-hmm. And not to say that artists aren't often participating in all of those things. Um, but, you know, others, it's religion <laughs> and whatever it is, those kind of things that help you to get in touch with that. But, yeah, I think I think for a lot of artists, it can be the art itself as well. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. It's it's it is like uh I've been to therapy. I went to therapy for a while and um, it's like the, the same thing, just like a different mm-hmm. way of getting at that. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I'm, you, you, you use a lot of like old school, old masters techniques in your work just to get technical here. Um, yeah, I do. Do you do like grisaille painting or painting like the values first and then glazing for your color? Or are you just kind of doing d- direct painting with layers or what's your approach technically? Yeah. So my art teachers are going to cringe at this because I have horrible retention and I, I can't use all the, the fancy um, words for it. So this might not be as impressive as some of my art teachers would have <laughs> liked after they've you know drilled this into my head for decades. But um <laughs> Uh, it kind of depends on the painting. So I've Mm. taken different approaches throughout the years. Uh, I think my last series I had done at La Luz de Jesus, I was doing a very, um, uh, traditional approach. So I would paint the, this, um, so I, I would do my value study and then I would paint in this kind of like, um, it's like a gray and white mixture with like a, um, the green kind of mixed into the flush tones yeah, and things. I haven't to done that yet. Yeah. I want to do I that. I love doing that. What, what do you so know what time consuming, well, but I, it's I, really I've, pays I, off. I've done it with like, uh, you lately it's been black and white and this cool raw umber, that, uh, mm-hmm. that works really well or, uh, yellow ochre, just something to warm it up. But I haven't yep. tried the green to get that. They call it the dead layer. I think. Yeah, like, the like, dead later. Yep, yep. And so it plays off of the, you know, the warmer flesh tones and it right. kind of creates that that glow and that contrast. So usually what um oh, ew, I lost you for a second. Usually <laughs> what I used to do is um I would paint in that kind of warmer underpainting. So uh I would just do like the burnt umber underpainting. Mm-hmm. Now I do a burnt umber underpainting. I do the dead layer. Um I add, you know, a little bit of like green tint in there. There's a name for that that's escaping me right now. But uh Yeah, I want to I want to know the green that you use because I want to try yeah. it. <laughs> you have to let me know when you remember. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of it. It's like a Venetian green earth or something like that. Yeah. I'll send you okay. I'll send you a picture of it. Um maybe you can put it in the podcast notes or something okay, if that's cool. something you do, but um like I said, I stink at terminology. I stink at remembering all this stuff and I'm if any of my art teachers listen to this, they're going to be so disappointed. But <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'll still do the burnt umber, burnt sienna mix, 
um, original, like underpainting, like kind of the really thin layer in there where that, that would be my first pass. Mm -hmm. So with the turp and all that stuff, super thin. Then I do the dead layer. Um, I let that dry completely. And then you go in and you start glazing. And so with the glazing, you know, obviously there's no white in there. You're kind of, um, people use all sorts of different mediums. I know a lot of people now use, um, like the, um, Gamvar or like the fine detail liquid things like that. So those are more modern, you know, versions mm -hmm. of Galkid. things. There's debates as to whether <clears throat> Galkid, right? Yeah. So there's debates as to, you know, maybe some of the uh, archivalness of some of this stuff, liquid, especially I've heard it come into question, but, um, no, okay. I'm, yeah, so, so, I'm a liquid freak too. I use liquid. Me too. I love liquid. <laughs> That's, that's what I use. So, uh, yeah. So then I'll start glazing my colors in there and then I'll do a couple refining passes where I, you know, start popping in highlights. I tighten mm -hmm. things up, I glaze things back. Um, so it's a really long process. And then sometimes, so I did when I, I, I did like a big long art school thing for a, a long time and I still, you know, dabble with that. And, uh, what do you mean an I art school thing? I did, you know, I got my bachelor's degree. I went to Laguna College of Art and Design, and then I went to a, a couple different ateliers. I went to Watts Atelier. I went oh, to wow. Studio really? Second Street Atelier. Yeah. And then I've done a couple workshops um, hmm. where there were, you know, some really amazing artists that I got to study with doing those workshops. I did one in um, uh, all the way out in like Colorado and stuff. So everyone was teaching different techniques and different ways of painting. So a lot of the ateliers here uh, teach the direct painting, the wet and to wet right. painting. Um, so sometimes I just like to do that where mm -hmm. I do a much more direct painting. Um, oftentimes if it's for an art show, I'll still do an underpainting. So it won't be a, a complete like a la prima painting, right. um, style thing where I just lay, you know, knock do, it all do out. You like, but, do you like to let your underpainting dry before you do your, uh, subsequent layers? I do, which I, do I don't too. think you do, right? No, oh, no, you do. I do. Okay. I, I, okay. Okay. I do it both ways, but I prefer that my preferred way is to let, uh, the underpainting dry cause it's fixed. You know, yes. and you can't mess it up and you can't push too hard right. and wipe the paint away, you know? Yes. And I've, I've had trouble with it muddying my colors, Yeah, right. you know, before also if it starts to mix too much. So, um, yeah, so I definitely do that. I let the whole thing dry and then I go over and, and, you know, depending on what mood I'm in or what my deadline is in or what, what I want the finished look of the painting to be, I'll mess with these different styles. But almost always there's some old master technique that I either looked up or I was taught. Mm -hmm. Um, I've picked up books along the way, you know, where you kind of can like the painting techniques of old masters, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then I'll try them to see what ones I like best. Um, uh, right now I'm using a Riley method of painting. Mm, um, heard that one. yeah, so that one's pretty interesting. You kind of set out these values. So you, you essentially, it's almost like a Zorn palette, mm -hmm. um, where you have a real limited palette, but then you set out your value range for each color. And then as you go along, you kind of go across, uh, always staying within the value, blah, blah, blah. There's a whole thing. You can look it up no, online. Yeah, um, no, I'm just writing you it know, down. If you're interested, but it's, yeah, it's the Riley painting method. So he also has the Riley abstraction, which is a way of drawing uh, the figure, which is really awesome. Um, mm. It's a way of breaking the figure down. I, I highly recommend that to anybody that hasn't uh, heard of the Riley method for painting. And, and, you know, it's kind of hard to find notes on the painting method here in San Diego. Uh, we do have an atelier that teaches that once in a while but um if you just go online sometimes it can be a little difficult to find that so i know there's online classes for it hmm. um but it seems like the riley abstraction for drawing is much more accessible you can find that online pretty easily okay yeah I'm so it's that. you know it's like the loomis thing and all that stuff where they kind of break things down into these simplified um well, I don't want to say simplified because they're really hard to learn, honestly, yeah. but, uh, yeah. you know, they just break it down into rhythm lines and, and the ways things kind of interconnect and lock, um, so that you can have like a, you know, solid anatomy, which, uh, 
anatomy's never been my strong point. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You wouldn't know it, but I mean, I, I guess um, I guess your figures are all cloaked and wearing yeah. long flowing robes, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, there's so many people out there that are just so amazing I at know. figurative drawing and painting. It is mind blowing to me. Uh, who's that artist right now? I'm obsessed with Will Saint John. Will Saint John. Oh my gosh. I could just stare at them for days. He's so good. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Check him out. A lot of them either tend to be out of New York or Asia. I've noticed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've noticed that too. Yeah. There's. Yeah. 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 yeah, That's, you know, the figurative scene, the figurative art kind of traditional figurative art scene is, is totally a different thing with guys like, Sean Cheatham and um, yes, uh, Jeremy Lipking, you know, these guys are just amazing. Um, Yeah, phenomenal painters. David Cassan, Dave Cassan, 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 sorry, David Cassan. I interviewed him on the podcast, so um, Uh, yeah, I saw that. I'll have to. So I went up (laughs) to see him do a lecture at my old school at Laguna College of Art and Design, and that was really neat. Uh, Mm. I like his stuff. I love. I think my favorite is when. People marry the, their figurative art with their um, conceptual stuff. So maybe like uh, Michael Husser would be mm-hmm. a good example of that. Where yeah. you know, have you had him on yet? No, I I, oh. I I want to have him on. I've sent out a message through a contact for him to come on, and I, I haven't heard back. So yeah, I'll, I should hit him up on on his Instagram. Actually, he's kind of reclusive though, so I don't know if he'd be into That's it. That's what I hear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Something about that uh, really speaks to me. So I, you know, I think as artists, you and I can probably both, you know, and any artist could nerd out on the the technical aspects of um, just a really well executed figurative painting or portrait. Um, but you know, it it to me, it's just um, it draws me in so much more when there's there's also a concept there. Yeah, um, yeah, for maybe, sure. Yeah, yeah. So adding that, like, and not to say that you know, figurative artists don't have that at all, but sometimes you know, an academic study can just blow me away on a technical level. But, you know, even someone, I, I mean, I guess arguably maybe Frida Kahlo, you could say wasn't technically the most, you know, mm-hmm. amazing figure painter. I, I hope I don't get shit for this. I, I'm sorry, Frida, but I, <laughs> maybe she was, <laughs> no, you know, um, but I still appreciate her work maybe sometimes even more because I, I think a technician can really just nail a figure painting and it can be amazing and you can just nerd out on a technical level. But what she did for art on a conceptual level is yeah. just, you know, it's it's amazing. And I think um, there's something there to, to really be appreciated that resonates more for me, I guess, than um, some of the more technical stuff, right. just purely by itself technical. Um, yeah, that's I like uh, uh, Roberto Ferry. That yes, that's he's a amazing. good example of doing these yep. incredible technical like Bouguereau level yes technical stuff but he's it's he's also got this weird surrealist element yep. in and there. a little dark yeah i know i know yeah i uh, love his work have so you heard good. of uh, nicola samori mm, i don't think so he's no. also an italian painter and i probably butchered his name but uh i, I, but I gotta write phenomenal. all this down okay. you give me all kinds <laughs> of stuff to write down <laughs> <laughs> so yeah N- nicola samori um okay. out of italy and he he's Possibly him and Odd Nergem are probably my favorite contemporary painters. Mm. Um, so I don't necessarily aspire to paint like them. Uh, Dan Quintana, too. I mean, that guy's just killing it. I love oh, Dan's yeah. work. He's great. Um, yeah, but, you know, you, of course, I love Chet Sar's work. I've been Thank a you. fan <laughs> of your work. 
I can't even tell you. I remember the first time I got to meet you, I was so excited. <laughs> and I asked you to take a picture with me. And I was when I went through my old pictures and I was trying to send you old pictures of us, uh, I was hoping to find that one because I probably just looked like a kid in a candy shop. <laughs> I think I was like 18 years old. I met you and I had this big goofy grin oh and I was God. so excited to meet you. That's That's so cool. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't make me feel old at all. <laughs> no, I was eighteen. I think I think you were nineteen. Jeff. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> no, that's 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 cool. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you hear the dog snoring in the background? By the way, I do not. Okay, I'm wondering if it's <laughs> we we, we can edit it, it out if because we're on. Two, I, I two, like it. I, yeah. I have a Boston Terrier that is a champion snorer. It yeah. is. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. nuts. I love yeah. having a snoring dog in the room just when you're painting or something. It's so cool. Right. It's so comforting. Yeah. Um, so I mean, how how do you how do you feel about art school? I mean, do you have a good do, do you have a good feeling about it? Like did it really help you? Cuz I know people, you know, there's people either I hear it was great, I learned all kinds of it, and then I, other people yeah. were said it sucked and it ruined me, practically ruined me, and so I'm just curious what your what your take on that as someone who, who actually um, did it? Yeah, I have really mixed thoughts on it. So if it wasn't for the price tag, I would say I loved it completely. Um, it yeah. cost me so much money to oh, go through art school. Yeah, it was a phenomenal. I mean, I was almost in the six figures. Um, Yikes. To then, yeah, to then leave and just still have my minimum wage job at a record store. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it was kind of tough to do. And and um yeah, so so very mixed feelings. I'm really glad I did it. I would never say it would work for everyone or everyone should do it. I mean, we've talked about Dan Quintana. He didn't go to our, as far as I know, he didn't go to a formal art school, and he is one of my favorite artists. You, I don't think, did that yeah, either. Is that correct? School. Yeah. Yeah, and and you're one of my. I don't think it has anything to do with how good you're going to be. Um, obviously, it might and, just be fast. It might be a faster way to learn all the fundamentals, maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe. I mean, I also think I think there's a case to be made for it, you know, possibly being restrictive to some people. There's been times in my life where I've gone to an atelier and the people there have been so good that it made me want to stop painting. Like I was uh, very discouraged. And then uh, I kind of had to get over that hurdle and yeah. say, you know, I might not be the best painter out there on a technical level or I might not be as great as these people who, you know, are just fucking killing it. that can draw a hand from every angle, you know, with right. it. but, you know, I still have my own vision and my own, you know, uh, thing to kind of share with the world. And, and yeah, so it, it was almost like sometimes I'd have to talk myself back into painting because I felt so discouraged right. by how good these people were. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really mixed bag. I'm super glad I did it. And I'm, I will continue to take art classes probably for the rest of my life. I just, I find a lot of value in it for myself, Oh yeah. but I also think from a monetary standpoint, you know, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. And I also think, uh, I think there's a case to be made for, you know, sometimes it can hold people back. It can, you know, make people feel like they have to do things a certain way. It can maybe stifle experimentation or creativity. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I you, don't think it's for everybody. Yeah, you. I think you have to go in with a, a strong sense of self and an mm -hmm. openness to learn. Like, yeah. the way I always approach it is, you know, I'm going to be, like, totally open to learning everything I can, but I I still have... I'm not going to lose who I am in the process. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to just change because this person says this is the only way it can be done. Because one thing I've learned um, being in the, in the, in the art world and doing this podcast is that everybody paints differently. 
And there really is no one right way to do it. There really, aside from a few basic things like fat over lean and just stuff, you know, so you don't get cracks and stuff like certain colors you're not supposed to use. There's no right right way of or wrong way of doing it. If the painting looks good and you're happy with it and you enjoyed it, then it's right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, And some of the best painters, like I said, I know didn't go to art school and some of the best painters I know don't use, you know, the best paints or right. the best, you know, whatever, but the things they produce at the end. And then I know some people who are learning, but they insist on getting the most expensive everything. And, you know, uh, yeah, expensive, right. expensive brushes and expensive canvases don't don't make the artist. So, you know, also an expensive art school doesn't make the artist either. Um, so I don't regret my experience going to art school. I'm super glad I did. If I had it to do over again, I absolutely would. But um, I do also, you know, I wouldn't just blindly advocate it for everybody across right. the board. I think, you know, it's really important to know what you want to do. And then also, I think, you know, I went to a four year college. Um, so I had the price tag of that. There's plenty of ateliers and uh, Stan Prokopenko, for instance, he teaches on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a phenomenal well, what's that artist. name again? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Stan Prokopenko. Prokopenko. So his, Okay. Yeah, so his um, YouTube is Proko, P-R-O-K-O. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, someone yeah. just sent me that like this week. Someone sent me a link. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. He's phenomenal. And he's got like um, a million and a half followers on YouTube or something. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah, and he's just giving this information away. Yeah, I mean, it's you amazing. Can, you can also do his paid stuff. So once you get through his free stuff and you're ready for the next level, you know, or you just want to immerse yourself in the you know, the, the course like right to begin with, he's got, um, you know, paid courses, but they're very, uh, you know, I say affordable subjectively, right? Some people don't have the money for that either. So, you know, but he also offers free stuff on there, which is phenomenal. So if you have, you know, an internet connection or you have access to somewhere where you can get online, then, you know, you have access to this amazing amount of information yeah. out there for free. That's, that's, uh, yeah. that's what I, 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 uh, I've been saying recently on one of the podcasts. It's like, there's, there's, it's probably the best time to be an artist right now because yeah. you can ev- pretty, pretty much everything there is to learn is online somewhere yeah like every technique every different whether and and a lot of it is free on youtube i mean just on um i just interviewed sam b last episode i don't know if you know his stuff he uh he blew me away because he's only been painting for four years which is kind of insane oh my gosh wow but he learned everything off youtube no schooling wow just watching videos on youtube and i was like that that really proves my point that you know if you have the will to do it he just sat there and, and watched videos, you know, studied hard and just, you know, did it. You got to have that kind of like determination because it's hard. Yeah. You have to want it. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's the thing. It's hard. It's not easy. And so you have to really have that like inner thing. That's like, I'm going to do this no matter what. Yeah. Uh, That's phenomenal. Yeah. I love that there's access to that much information. I also, yeah, I love that we can all see what we're doing too. So I mean, I think that that can lend itself to people ripping each other off or maybe, you know, I, I do think there's, there's a line between influenced by or inspired by and just mm-hmm. straight up ripping people off. So I've heard the argument that having this much access to each other, you know, especially in the tattoo world, like it often breeds, um, this culture of just ripping each other off, doing the same thing. Uh, nobody can have an original idea without someone stealing it within five yeah, minutes, that kind of thing. That's but, the artist's responsibility to not let that happen though. The, per, for the person who would be potentially ripping someone off it's like it's your mm-hmm. responsibility to make sure you're not doing that and and, mm-hmm. and yep. to, to draw the line where rip off versus uh in influence it's your job to 
put that line there. So absolutely. You know. Yeah. And I think any technology can be used for, you know, bad or good or whatever yeah, you want right. to say. So, so yeah, I mean, I think there's a huge amount of positives. I, I do hear people gripe about it, you know, because of that stuff. But yeah, like you said, it's, it's basically that individual's responsibility. And I will say sometimes when people are just starting out, maybe they don't realize where that yeah. line is. And so they inadvertently do that. They think that they're being inspired or that they don't understand what might be wrong with that. Um, well, so, you know, sometimes it's innocently done. Yeah. You know? And in that case, it's like, uh, uh, such a huge part of being an artist, like, and it's not, I don't think it's stressed enough is developing your eye you mm -hmm. know, to be, to be able to wait, listen. Ah, oh, now he stopped. Sorry. He was doing some really <laughs> good snores there. Um, of course he stopped right when <laughs> yeah. you wanted to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, developing your eye to, to, to know, to see that. Cause some people can't even, like you said, they, they, they're not even aware that they're ripping someone off because they can't mm -hmm. see the difference. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, and, and it's and training your eye is so huge. And, and, you know, the only way to do that is really just by, looking at a lot of stuff that you know is good like the kind of time tested old master stuff yeah saturate your brain with that and so that becomes like <laughs> the baseline of what is you know what is good what is right and then yeah. you know and then start bringing in the contemporary artists but uh i think that's the only way to really develop an eye is just through study of other art you know so it's kind of you have to do that you, yep. know, you can't yeah. just do it without ever seeing our, anybody's paintings, you know? So yep. Yeah, I totally know. agree. Yeah. That's the, that's kind of one of the issues I have with some uh, younger artists who will latch, latch onto maybe a, a contemporary artist and use that only as, as what they right. see as good, because sometimes, you know, sometimes an artist is great except for hands or except for one thing they always fuck up right and, and then and then you know the student is kind of looking at that like well this guy did it so it must be right that's why i'm always right. like go back to the masters because they did yep. it better than we'll ever do anything it's already been done <laughs> as good as you can do it so go go to there and then you have the thing that you have to offer is your voice that that's the only that's, right. that's the important thing because they can't have your voice nobody can have your artistic voice you know Right. That's the yeah, I would, I would think with the contemporary artists, you know, ask them who they're looking at right. and then look at, you know, so yeah, right. your contemporary idol, what, you know, send them a quick email or whatever, go online and find out like, who are the artists, the, the masters that they're inspired by that they look at. And you go look at those people and you kind of, you know, see what they're looking at rather than kind of like what you were saying, you know, um, yeah, when I was going so heavily from a contemporary artist. Right. Like when I was a kid, though, it's funny looking back when I was a kid, I've always loved art. And um, when I was a kid, I, I like I love Dolly and MC Escher mm -hmm. and uh, Hieronymus, Hieronymus Bosch. I really I loved love as Bosch. A kid. Yeah. yeah. But <clears throat> a lot of the old master stuff I had, I just had no feeling for it when I was a kid. Like it just was really? old, wow. yeah, old, stale. Yeah. This doesn't interest me. <laughs> I like Frazetta. You know, I yeah, like Giger, all, yeah. you know, that's that sort of thing. And the, and it wasn't until I started painting even as an adult that I was like, oh, my God, this stuff's I didn't uh, develop an appreciation for it until I started painting. And, and you right. Know, it's kind of like, well, yeah. And you were talking about like uh, Roberto Ferry the other day or I mean, the other day, a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but uh, you were saying he reminded you of Bougereau and uh, 
Yeah, I mean, that's so interesting because I think it's so easy for us to throw like a Bougereau or Almatidima, these people uh, just, you know, because their subject matter is maybe what we would consider corny right. now, you know, right, these fat right. cherubs and these like really, you know, round but when the technique is women, but that good, it doesn't, technique. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I, I kind of yeah. love that really, um, that when you're so good at something, you can paint anything and it doesn't matter yep. what you're painting because it's just, it's, it's so good, so good that it just it doesn't yep. matter. It defies like subject matter, you know? Yep. I mean, I feel that way with Decker and mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Rockwell. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. Their subject matter, I, you know, it doesn't speak to me necessarily, but their technique is so amazing and, that you can stare at those all day. And it kind of, in a way it's, it's, it, it gives you uh, an appreciation for the subject matter in a way. It's almost like mm-hmm. they have a, um, uh, a perspective on life that they're seeing things from that you would normally be like, Oh, that's cheesy or stupid, but you see them paint it and you start going, Hmm, that's kind of actually, that would be nice to have a Thanksgiving dinner like that with all the, family. Right, right. you know what I mean? It's almost oh, like totally. it influences you on, uh, your, your taste on things. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We went to go see the, uh, Soroya show here. Oh yeah. The- so amazing. Yeah. I- so he's painting naked little kids on, on a beach, beach yeah. which, I mean, today might even be considered kind of like taboo or uncomfortable imagery. But, um, you know, even aside from that, it's just it's not imagery. I necessarily would be drawn to naked babies on a beach. But um, oh, my God. Right. The way he paints it. Phenomenal. Unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. I love how he does like things in the the shade, like he'll have a canopy or something. And then like these cool colors. It's just unbelievable. And the water on the sand is just like, yeah, (laughs) it's amazing. Yeah, I didn't know, but I I would have gone to see that exhibit if I knew about it. I missed the Rockwell one too, which was also in San Diego, I believe. Right? I missed that also. You missed it, and you were in San Diego. Shame, shame, shame. I know. I know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that one was in San Diego, but I know it was at least close enough that I could have. I knew it was like three hours away from me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it was. Yeah, there's been so many things I, you know, I didn't go to that uh, I, you I know, know, work got in the way or whatever it was. And Me you kind of look back and go, oh, I should have gone to that. How the, did I miss that? The, yeah. The rock, <laughs> well, you just don't hear about it until it's yeah, gone. The Rockwell yeah. one, I, I knew about it and I was like, I, it's too far to drive. And I just, oh. I had never forgotten that. <laughs> I so regret yeah. it. Because <laughs> someone was telling me, I think it was, I don't know if it was Travis Louie or, or, one of my artist friends was telling me that he really he painted a lot thicker than it, than you would think like the paint was really oh, interesting like okay. textury and like he used yeah. a lot of paint which tripped me out because i would not think wow. that no i wouldn't either looking at his stuff that's so interesting yeah. you know that, that booth at comic-con that i love where they sell you know the originals of some of these artists and um yeah you get to see like they had an original frazetta last year right. so you get to kind of see how they painted and so many of Frazetta's paintings, you can kind of see the canvas peeking through. Oh, I which know. Is, I love that. Yeah, because he was like fresh job in it, like super cool. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's a different experience to see art in person. Oh, I, for I sure. advocate that for everybody. And anytime I'm in a slump, um, like a creative slump, I always just get my ass out the door. And we have a free art museum here called the Timpkin. And um, it doesn't really change or anything. You know, they keep the same exhibits, but it's free. So you can just run down there and look at some amazing art and I mean, at least for me, I feel inspired again and I, mm-hmm. I can go back and paint. So that's yeah. what I, that's what I say as well. It's like, that's the, one of the number one things that inspires me to paint is seeing a good art show. Like, like when I'm <laughs> at a good art show at Copro or wherever, if yep. the paintings are good, I pretty much just want to leave 
and go home yeah, and paint. Home it's and like paint. this urge, like, ah, I got to go paint. I wish I was right, yeah. could teleport. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Don't say anything. God, he was just doing this great snores. God, I swear it's like he knows he's listening to me. Oh, wait. You didn't hear those? I heard the first. I think I heard one. <laughs> you gotta okay. just mic him up. <laughs> I know. I should. I should give him his own dedicated mic, and then we could like bring it up in the mix and bring it down when we're talking. So all the <laughs> any lull in the conversation, yeah, yeah. Is something that the artist wishes they didn't say. You can just. You know what you should do, Chet? Is uh, drunk history, but drunk dark art, yeah. and just you know, get totally bombed, say really embarrassing stuff. <laughs> We should just yeah. do a drunk art history podcast. Or just, uh, <laughs> just uh, you know, put it on half speed. Have you ever done that on YouTube videos where you put it on half speed and you sound like drunk? <laughs> no, oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, it's really cool. Someone was telling me you, that they did that with my time lapses. They put them on half speed so that they could see yeah. what I'm painting. And so I right. started doing that. And, it's, and, it, and they have it now to where it doesn't change the pitch. Like back in the day, if you slowed something down, the pitch would go low. But if yeah, you put it, any video yeah. half speed, it just sounds like they're drunk pretty great oh no way that's amazing <laughs> yeah i remember before it would sound like someone like opened the gates of hell yeah. Saying, rah, rah, rah. but yeah that sounds pretty amazing that now people just sound drunk yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um let's see uh you're let's talk about your your tattooing because okay. i know that um last time i talked to you you were apprenticing and so now mm -hmm. you're a full-blown tattooer i am yeah What's, professionally what's, tattooing yeah what's the story i mean how did you how did that start and what inspired you to do that yeah well it was kind of interesting so i i've been with the guy that i've been with now for we're coming up on seven years and uh he's a tattooer he's been tattooing for about 18 years um his name is terry ribera mm -hmm. uh, so he owns remington tattoo here in san diego and uh when we met he owned the shop and you know he's a very established tattooer here and uh, maybe, I don't know, a couple of years into our relationship, he offered to apprentice me, um, which he doesn't offer to apprentice anybody. He doesn't mm -hmm. want to apprentice anybody, but he offered to apprentice me. And uh, the funny part is um, I turned him down because You're like, nah, uh, whatever. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I was like, I don't really like blood. And I worked retail for a long time. <laughs> I don't know if I want to deal with people on that level, I really like painting and I just don't want to do that. And, um, you know, he, his, uh, kind of stance was, well, you know, I'll, I'll teach you, you just learn how to do it. And if you don't like doing it, you don't have to do it. Right. And I thought, Oh, all right. You know, I'll, okay, then I'll give it a shot. And uh, it's really funny looking back because now I'm appreciating how hard it is to get an apprenticeship yeah, and yeah. <laughs> uh, how lucky I was to have someone so good offer me an apprenticeship. It's, it's funny. And also I cringe when yeah. I think about, uh, you know, stupid me saying, cringy. I don't know. Yeah. Oh gosh. That makes me feel really <laughs> this poor guy, you know, I, you know, thank goodness he stuck with it and, and pressed me to do it because yeah. otherwise, you know, I don't know if he could have just said, well, screw you then, you know, I, I feel <laughs> that I feel that way. Um, now for myself, because I had so many tattoo artists pushing me and offering to teach me like big name. Oh yeah. You know, and, and I was going to do it. And I, I just was like, I, I can't, um, I can't take afford to take the time away from my painting. Plus right, I'm already hundred yep, percent satisfied painting. I feel like 
so satisfied doing that that I don't feel like <laughs> I need anything else, you know. Yep. And it's yeah. cre- creatively, but main, mainly it was like I figured it would take me at least a couple years to learn how to do it, and I didn't have I didn't have a week to give up to, right, learn, to right. learn how to do something like that. And I just felt like I don't know if I split my attention. How could you learn something and then still be? I don't know. It might be different. No, I if, totally agree. I mean, I just view it as another art. Yeah, form. absolutely. So I was just you know I I got to take some of the things I already knew and apply it to tattooing, but also re relearn. Um, a lot of things and and learn a completely new art form where some of the things that I thought I knew just don't apply in tattooing. Um, but I also think it helps in my situation. You know, we live together. We're in a relationship. So it wasn't like, um, again, I'm very grateful I had a unique situation like that. But it's not like I had to, you know, paint for eight hours and leave and try to do an apprenticeship. Right. And when in you're some shop where you don't know everybody right. and they're all hassling yep. you and making you yeah, take the trash you know, out the and being a dick to you. And- yeah, exactly. I've heard nightmare yeah. stories of apprenticeships. Like they treat you like oh, shit. Yeah. And- <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of, you know, and again, very grateful, but I didn't have that experience. Um, That's you good. know, he was very, uh, I think just, he respected me as an artist and I respected him as an artist. So there was never that like, Oh, you're my underling, right. you know, but there was very much, you don't know what you are doing and you need to learn how to tattoo. So don't, come in here assuming that because you know how to paint these same rules are going to apply to tattooing because right. they don't No, <laughs> and um yeah it doesn't so apply to was, anything i've tried right. it and i've tried yeah. it enough i've done yeah. it a few times it's like <laughs> this is not like any other thing i've ever done artistically it's totally different yeah. it's not like pen and ink it's not like painting it's not like drawing but it's yeah kind of like that but it's still totally different i think so different and there's no eraser you know the first couple times <laughs> yeah. i tattooed somebody i stopped my very first tattoo um on my cousin linda she will not let me live this down to this day i stopped because i i thought i was gonna throw up i was so <laughs> nervous i was like i have to stop yeah i'm near the bar i need to leave you know and <laughs> and you know i finished the tattoo and i got through it and uh it was fine but now to this day like every once in a while she'll just say oh nice tattoo did you get through that one without barfing you know <laughs> yes thank you uh, <laughs> so, um but uh, yeah, so I've been doing that. I think I've been tattooing professionally, I want to say around three years now and maybe a year long apprenticeship um, with him. And there's still so much to learn. You know, I feel like um, and, and maybe you feel this way, too. I feel like with painting, I'm never done learning. There's oh, always absolutely. so much more. Yeah. And tattooing, I just I feel like it's another one of those things. that's a lifelong endeavor and I'm always going to be learning. And mm-hmm. there's so many phenomenal tattooers out there. San Diego is just a hotbed of amazing tattooers and so many people to look up to. And uh, it's interesting because my tattoo style is entirely different from my painting style. You would never think oh, really? the same person. Yeah, totally wow. different. I don't I don't think you'd ever think the same person did them. Right. So really colorful, really bold, you know, wow. a big advocate of, you know, black outlines and bold color and Huh. Uh, simple tattoos. I, I so really just, yeah. Is, uh, like do you do like t- traditional type tattoos or what's the kind of style you do? Yeah. Uh, neo-traditional. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, um, kind of like a new, a new spin on, on traditional. Oh, okay. So it's very yeah. graphic, graphic and heavy outlines and stuff like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So neo-traditional has like a range, you know, there's a lot of different, kind of like how, you know, our dark art, lowbrow pop surrealism, right. all that stuff. Like, it falls under those umbrellas, but you know, that that's a wide range of things. So you've got neo-traditional artists that might not look anything like each other. And if you're not a tattooer, you might not see the similarities or why they would all be neo-traditional. But, um, yeah, so for the most part, I would say, you know, 
outlines, a lot of color, but you know, there's a lot of black and gray neo-traditional artists uh, as well. But yeah, I would, I mean, if I had to like put a label on myself, I think that would be it probably. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah. It, 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 do you get the same sense of satisfaction from that you do tattooing from painting creatively? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> That's an honest answer. I like that. Yeah. No, um, I, <laughs> I love tattooing, but at the end, it's kind of a hybrid and oftentimes a compromise between my idea and the client's idea. Oh, um, yeah. so I've been, yeah. yeah, I've been really blessed with a clientele that likes my, for the most part, really likes my style, really likes my approach and 99% of the time lets me do what I want, but, um, it's still within their parameters. So they'll come to me and say, I want to ferret with a banana yeah, or I it's want, like, it's you like, know, a sloth or, yeah, it's yeah. like every painting is a commission in a way. Exactly. Right. And right. I don't do commission painting. So that mm. was part of the reason wow. I just thought, I don't know if tattooing would be a great fit for me because with painting I'm so I, I've done commission paintings I don't do them anymore and I haven't done them for a long time because I didn't like having to alter my art to meet someone else's expectations or Absolutely, vision yeah. um and maybe that's part of what was holding me back a little bit in uh just just so I I was living as just a painter but I will say it was tight financially for me and a lot of my friends that do really well do a lot of commissions. Right. Um and I I did several and I just had such a tough time with them and I really felt like I was making such big compromises on my art and I just kind of stopped taking them. Right. Um so yeah, yeah if you wanted to be <laughs> If you wanted to be yeah. this way fucking learn to paint yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a brush. <laughs> you do it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. So with tattooing, um, it's interesting because I went to school for illustration. That's what my major was. Oh, oh. And so I get to use my, my illustration skills. So oh. I've never done an illustration job in my life. I went right into the uh -huh. gallery world. So it's kind of funny that I, I have an illustration That's degree, funny. but yeah. That's what um, I would, I would take that probably. If I went to art school, I, yeah. I think illustration suits the kind of artwork I wanted to do. It's the artwork that I do really. You know? Yeah, no, I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you, um, so you're, so yeah, that, that's, I guess it is kind of more of an illustration type of uh, art in a way, tattooing. I think so. Yeah, I do. So, you know, you meet with your client, they tell you mm -hmm. what they want, you draw it up, they have an opportunity to make some revisions, hopefully not, but um, sometimes they, <laughs> they want some changes. Uh, you make those and then, you know, you tattoo it. So, yeah, it's always, it's always a hybrid kind of of your spin or your take on their idea. Right. And then sometimes, you know, with their revisions, which uh, every once in a while, a client will make a revision request that I, I think actually looks good or maybe even better. Um, but I would say 99% of the time, I just kind of was like, well, I think it would look better the other way, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's the thing with, yeah. with com <laughs> commissions for myself. It's like, for me, it's it's like okay, I have to put my ego aside, and I have to right. listen to the idea, and I but but I have to admit if the idea is better than what I had too, because that's hard right, too, because yeah. it's like you 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 think that you know this is my thing, and so I I try and really be fair about it, and if I really yeah. don't like it, I, I just will say I don't think I don't think this is a good idea, uh, but yep. if I but if I do like it, I'll I'll do it, you know, and, yeah, and it's kind of hard, it's a difficult. It can do, be. Yeah, you know? I agree. And I've had that with tattooing. I mean, I can actually remember the times where a client made a suggestion and I thought, oh, that is an improvement right. um, because, yeah, you kind of had that odd moment where you were like, oh, like there it is. <laughs> I'm not the shit. Yeah. Well, oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. not the best thing <laughs> in the world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I will let 
I will let it get pushed in certain directions, but then kind of like you, what you were saying, if it comes down to, I don't think it's going to make a good tattoo. So often people ask me, uh, what's the weirdest tattoo you've ever done? Or what's the worst tattoo you've ever done? And I, I just say, I hope I haven't done any that I would consider my worst because when it gets to a point where a client is asking me for something I think would make a bad tattoo, I just, just say no. Right, right. Yeah. So I just say, you know, I, I and, and sometimes I'll get the, well, it's my body. And I say, I understand it's your body, but I, you know, I'm not comfortable tattooing yeah, it on you. Exactly. But what I consider a bad tattoo isn't like, I mean, if someone wanted Taz, you know, mowing their pubes with a lawnmower or something, that's fine. Like we can do that with <laughs> tattoo, right. uh, but it needs to be big enough and, you know, all these things so that it will age well. So that, so the things that I consider, you know, the worst tattoo would be more, you're trying to cram too much stuff in there. Uh, you're trying to do it too small. You're, t you know, issues like that. Right. So more about, yeah, Technical longevity stuff. and making a nice yeah. tattoo. Yeah. So if you want to ferret with a banana, awesome. I'm happy to give you a ferret <laughs> with a banana. I don't think that's like a bad tattoo. In fact, I have a lot of fun doing stuff like that. So, right. you know, like maybe your lay person might think like that's a wacky tattoo idea, but I, I just, I don't look at it that way. I think, is it, is it a good tattoo? Will it last? Is it being applied well? Or, you know, are you trying to cram every family member you've ever had with their birthdays, their death dates, a Bible quote and a compass? Right you know, into a five inch tattoo, like that's a bad tattoo. Right. I'm going to tell you now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, you know, the other thing about tattooing that did not appeal to me is the, the skin issue because it's so, yeah. it seems so difficult to work with. It just seems like a huge, like impediment to creating artwork. It's, yep. it's so, <laughs> so hard to know if you're, I mean, I'm sure, and I'm sure the more you do it, the better you get and it's not so much of an impediment but uh or a restriction but it's just it's like you know pushing stretching the skin a certain way and pushing <laughs> too hard and not pushing hard yep. enough and it's like geez this is like it's hard enough to fucking make something holding that thing in your hand because it's already right. weird in the first place because it doesn't feel yep. like a pencil or a paintbrush really and no, not at all. You know, and then on top of that, you got to like not, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like seems like yep. a really hard thing to. to, to oh, it is a yeah. hard canvas. Yeah. And to work if, you're, on. if your canvas starts moving yeah, you know? right. <laughs> or screaming, you're not pulling that straight line because all of a sudden your canvas is moving around or, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, sometimes their skin isn't ideal or maybe, um, you know, you always have to remember, too, that that the body isn't flat. So I think. Sometimes artists that transition right. from doing canvas work, you know, they want to, and I, I'm guilty of this myself, especially when I started, I wanted to make a composition that would fit on a canvas, but right. you know, you're making a composition that fits on a cylinder that has muscles mm -hmm. wrapping that needs to look good from different angles. And it, it's kind of, you know, and then you have the whole issue of just drawing maybe more how you would approach drawing for a coloring book. Right. So open spaces and things like that, that, um, you know, if you look at my paintings, obviously it's the exact opposite. Right. It's got all this detail. It's super, <laughs> you know, so yeah. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's very, it's very interesting, but yeah, I feel like it's a big illustration assignment. So there's a lot of satisfaction in making the client happy and getting to see like, oh yeah, how would I, you know, draw this thing that you came yeah, up with, like, with you know, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how would how I do would a ferret, ferret with a banana? banana? So, um, and I did actually do a ferret with a did banana. You really? <laughs> I really did. That's why I keep popping into my brain. I'm like That's ferret hilarious. with banana, but, um, yeah. So you get to see like how you would approach that as an artist. And I think that's really fun. You know, I have a friend that does these dirty, um, zines where they're just a bunch of like adult jokes and mm -hmm. he'll ask, you know, my friends and I to illustrate them for him, like his artist friends. And 
that's fun too, because I would never normally draw these kinds of things, (laughs) you know, but you get to see like what it looks like when you draw something like that. And, and yeah, I think, so there's another aspect of it. That's really fun. So is it as fulfilling for me as making my own personal art where I get to decide what that looks like? And it's, you know, a very like, um, maybe like deeper experience for me. Um, it's, it's so different with tattooing. Like I, I, view it as a big illustration project. So very satisfying in that way, very satisfying to make your client happy to do all these things. Um, I'm able to make a living doing it, which I'm super grateful for. And, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's very different than your own personal, um, artwork. Yeah. 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 They're very different things. Yeah. I I can imagine one of the things I think that's so cool about tattooing that, that we we don't get painting on canvas is the fact that it's on a cylinder or a round shape. And it, and it has to, um, oops, it has to, uh, <laughs> follow the muscle structure in the, the design and, and it has to follow the flow of the body. I think that's so cool, you know, yeah. that, that I, something when I, when I was considering getting into it, it's one of the things I learned along the way that, you know, placement is so important on the body. Right. I never, just never occurred to me. I just thought, Oh, you put it anywhere I, for some reason. But it's like when you, and then you, you start looking, you're like, Oh, this is great because it flows, flows with the muscles yeah. and it moves a certain way. And it's, that's, that's sort yeah. of like one of the, one of the ways that tattooing is like no, nothing else. No other art form has that. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. I think my boyfriend's actually going to come out with a little series of uh, booklets where he's going to explain kind of his approach to how to lay out a bodysuit, how to lay out a sleeve, how to lay out, oh, cool. you know, a sleeve, how to lay out a chest, all these things, um, you know, these rhythm lines and things within the body and how, you know, to kind of make that all work. And uh, I, I think that's really interesting. Uh, just I'm certainly going to read them. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, you know it's, it's something that um, I don't do really large scale tattooing at this point in my career. I, you know, I do some bigger stuff, but I mean, my, my boyfriend's just, you know, body suits and back pieces and leg sleeves and all these things that are huge compositions. And, uh, it's a very different, even within tattooing, I would say that's a whole nother thing to learn, you know, that I haven't really, you know, how to make background work and, um, make everything flow and kind of connect and read well and not look funky, you know, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What here's the other, here's the other thing that the, the, uh, those are the two things that really, you know, aside from the time thing and yeah, uh, the, 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 uh, the, uh, working with skin. And then the other kind of impediment to me was, um, uh, talking to people, <laughs> right. You know, cause it's like, yes. that's one thing that I love about painting is that it's like my alone time. I like being yeah. alone. I enjoy not talking, you know, I, I, I totally <laughs> enjoy being quiet and painting without having to think of it's partially because verbally I'm just not naturally a verbal person. So it's like work for me. I, I've gotten yeah. a lot better from doing the podcast. We're actually, I was going to say you seem <laughs> amazing on the podcast. Oh, thank you. It, but that's <laughs> even, I think in the first episode I said, part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is I want to be able to speak to people better and not be such a right. mush mouth, you know, but mm-hmm. um, it seems like, especially doing something like tattooing and then having to, talk to someone while you're doing it and them and listen 
at the same yep. time has got to be like, that's a whole other skill involved. It kind of is. Yeah. And I will say in the beginning, I would be very, you know, nervous. And so, yeah, it was yeah. very difficult. Because you don't even know if, if you're going to like right. that person or if there's some right. person that yeah. you think any nine, you know, any other time, if you met them, you'd be like, this guy's an asshole or whatever, oh my gosh. you know? Yes. So it's yes. like, you really I've, have to I've definitely <laughs> been tattooing people where they've said stuff that I just was either so just philosophically, ethically, or politically out of line with what I believe <laughs> that I just had to bite my friggin' tongue. Like I never, I never pander to it. I never go, Oh yeah, that's great. But right. you know, I'll just maybe drop out of the conversation yeah, yeah. because and if they, I don't want to make it uncomfortable for them, but I also don't want to act like I'm into any of that stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's a, so yeah, it's a service, quiet. <laughs> it's a service industry. So you have to, you know, you have yeah. to customers always right kind of thing in a, in a way, you know? Sort of. I will say with tattooing, it's a little different. So our shop, we, well, at least I'm sorry, we do take walk-ins at our shop. I don't really do that because I, I paint a lot at home and then I'll make my appointments. So I come okay. in just to tattoo when I have appointments. That way I can still paint. I can still do my art shows. I can still make my deadlines, but then I can tattoo. So if I was sitting at the shop eight hours a day, you know, taking the walk-ins, then that would obviously be a little uh, harder. So yeah, I have a situation where I'm able to, to go in for my appointments and then, you know, paint at home and the off time. But, uh, it's just, it's a very different thing. So the people that want to get tattooed by me sought me out. They found me. Uh, they like, yeah, me. that's, that's the ultimate, right. that's the ultimate. Definitely. So I, I've, I've done walk-ins and it's a very different experience. It's much more like what you're saying. Customers always right. You right. know, the, fine experience if they're asking for uh something that doesn't make a good tattoo or it's upside down or right. whatever you know you kind of have to navigate because they don't know who you are they don't care right, you know but right. when you have someone that's specifically hitting you up because they love your style and they want to get something from you um they're a lot less likely to argue with you that's and, true. You have and they're a lot more, more yeah probably more attuned to you personally too, absolutely you know yep and they want they want that tattoo from you because they already like your style so they're oftentimes much more willing to listen to your suggestions, not push back um, right. as much. Whereas, yeah, my experiences with walk-ins uh, have definitely been different. Um, <laughs> much more like you were saying, very, you know, customer service oriented. Yeah, and, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just time-wise, I, uh, you know, I, I usually um, don't do a lot of walk-ins. Well, that's good. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like the, the, the perfect situation, really. Yeah, so, it's really yeah. ideal. It's pretty awesome. I'm so, I'm super grateful. Yeah, I, I um, it's funny because <clears throat> it's funny when I see uh, painters getting into tattooing because m or a lot of the tattooers I know want to uh, become painters. <laughs> like oh, they're absolutely. like, oh, I'm sick of tattooing. I want to paint. I just also want yeah. to paint. And yeah. Oh, I hear it all the time. Yeah. People. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My it's like my boyfriend's mantra. Like he just, really? he just had more time to paint. Yeah. So he started doing some shows um, as well. Uh, he's shown at like Modern Eden. I think he's done a couple group shows at Lelou's. Um, uh, he did. What's Oscar, his name again? Terry Rivera. Uh, Terry. I know. I met him before. We hung out you, yeah, that one time when I did doing. that Trakel thing. And yeah, when we did the painting yeah, thing together. Super, super, super cool guy. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, we did the yeah, painting Terry's thing. A yeah. Good guy. Yeah. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's his last name? Uh, Rabira, R I B E R A. Okay, cool. I want to look at yeah, his paint. Does he have paintings online? Tattooer. He does. Yeah, he has his paintings online, but you know, most of what you're going to find is his tattooing. It's really right. what he's, he's known for, but, uh, he just did a four person show at Craig, Craig's gallery, uh, revolution gallery oh, yeah, there right. in Buffalo. Oh, okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. So he's starting to get into 
you know, galleries more. And, and that's kind of what he's always saying. I wish I had more yeah. time. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But once they, once they see the, uh, they, the, um, the earning difference, <laughs> you yeah, know, cause it's like yeah. a whole other ball game. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, I imagine that's why a lot of tattooers don't do it as, as much because it's so hard to make money. Whereas it's a lot easier so, to, yeah. to make money tattooing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you ever want to pick up some good, very inexpensive art, go to a tattoo art show. There are some amazing tattooers right. and yeah, they just give those I paintings know, away. It's crazy. You know, yeah, it's insane to me. I've picked up paintings for forty dollars that know. were phenomenal. Yeah. yeah I so, don't understand that. Um, it's weird. Yeah, but I always tell them they shouldn't show in the galleries because they're gonna ruin it for the rest of us. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're undercutting it. Sell that for forty bucks, man. <laughs> You're undercutting us. We've spent years getting our prices up and Right. Yeah. Do you want me to come in here and do that tattoo for forty dollars? No. <laughs> yeah, so you need right. to do that painting for more money. <laughs> that should be four thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. You know the the, the uh, one thing I, I I say this all the time. I'm such a huge supporter of the tattoo industry and tattooers is they are so into dark art. They're like yes. the best collectors. They're yep, so into absolutely. it. They're the, they're always the ones that are like. Uh, you know, I'm never going to sell my artwork. I mean, most people, most people do say that to me, but you know, they're not into, into it for the investment so much, but, mm -hmm. but they, they, um, t you know, one thing I learned when I started doing tattoo conventions is before I was doing tattoo conventions, I would show at a gallery, like, like think space or something kind of like a more regular lowbrow type gallery or, or pop surrealism or whatever you call it. And I was like the weirdo of that group. I was too dark right. for them. And I kind of felt like out of place. And like, I had to explain myself, you yeah. know, justify why I was doing this weird, dark shit. And mm -hmm. then I started doing tattoo conventions and I was like kind of middle of the road as far as right. dark goes for them. They're like, this is our, this is, you know, what you're doing is kind of our base baseline, <laughs> you know, right, they get right, crazy yeah. way. They're into way crazier stuff than what I do. And so yep. <laughs> I love that Absolutely. about them. You know, it's, it's yeah. like, I, I feel like in a way, I feel like I um, sort of missed my calling culturally with the tattoo. Yeah. Cause, cause just the way that tattooers decorate their spaces and mm -hmm. you know, the way they dress and the, the music and the things they're into is like so in line with me that I feel like, you know, definitely that connection with, with them. And just the love, yeah, the love of dark art as kind of like, this is the coolest art there is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I so love with that. the conventions, are you teaching at the conventions or are you just selling your artwork? Yeah, I, I've done both. I, 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 haven't, okay. I haven't taught um, in a while, but for a while I was doing, I started going, I think the first one I did, I taught and, and okay. I had a booth. Um, most of them, I would have a booth and do like a class actually. That's and, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, it was it's uh, it was a great experience, but I got burnt burnt on all the traveling. It's just like, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, just any any conventions are difficult. The older I get, too, it's like ugh, it's just so much work to set up and yeah, you know, and you have to be on all the time and talkative. Yep. and uh, you know. Well, I think a lot of tattooers would love to learn how to paint from you, even if it was just like a you know, a one lecture thing or a oh, one yeah. seminar thing, or, you know, and I could see that being, you know, something really uh, cool for them and, and cool for you potentially if, you know, you ever want to do it again, or even if you did like, 
don't know, like a web series thing or something like that. I could see a lot of people, especially in that ta- in the tattoo community, wanting to learn from you. Because yeah. yeah, like you said, I think that the style of art you do really resonates with a lot of tattooers. Yeah. I think that, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm teaching stuff on my Patreon and I like tutorials oh, awesome. and I, and I do have some tattoo artists on there that are, that yeah, are, that, so that's yeah. cool. But, but I, I teach, uh, y- you know, usually every year I do a class at, uh, hidden Los Angeles tattoo in Northridge, Brett. Herman. Oh yeah. 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 Um, mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but I, you know, if I was smart, I'd probably hit up different tattoo places locally to do classes at you know well re- if you ever want to do san diego chat okay all right let I us would know do that. i would i would told, <laughs> i would love to do that i'd love to do that would that. be awesome yeah yeah that's that's like my limit i would probably not go past three, right. three and a half hour drive but but i would that would be that would be cool yeah we should talk about that yeah. i just i have to you know it's hard there's so many things there's so oh, many yeah, things i could sure. be doing and i have to like focus on the things unfortunately that are going to make me the most money i just hate having to think like that all the time it's so frustrating yeah but Um, it's true too and i mean if there's tattoo shops where you can do it locally and it's gonna you know be a much quicker easier thing for you then you know that's probably the the smart route to go and there's so many great tattooers and people that would probably be super interested in going to that up there you know too so yeah but i mean knowing you guys would be a bonus too because it's it's kind of um I've done I've done uh painting workshops at places where I don't know anybody and I'm just a shy oh, yeah. person so it's yeah. kind of like <laughs> feels weird but um so but I, I I would I would love to do it what I would really like to do is be able to afford a studio outside of my house and then yeah. offer classes once a month or once every couple yeah. weeks or something so hopefully that's something I could do in the future too yeah but, yeah that would be amazing cuz there's so there's so many I mean, the, the tattooers are there's so many amazing painters, tattooers that are that paint like mm-hmm. <laughs> crazy good painters. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yep. It's weird, though, man. I, I did a uh, man. Sorry. I did <laughs> <laughs> just have, have it. Doesn't bother me. Dude, Fine. Um, I, I, I did a, a tattoo. I curated a tattoo show, a tat paint tattooers who paint at Copper. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, Here's, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. No, nothing sold. It was so weird, and there was like tons oh, of people so there. Weird. It was weird. It's it was it was very an, a weird experience. Like I thought, you know, I think that's be... yeah. Well, I think that's the thing with tattoo collectors. So people that are fans of tattooers' work, and I think that's where tattooers, <clears throat> excuse me, run into trouble, and they end up pricing their paintings so low. Is those collectors want to collect things on their skin? Right, and it just doesn't yeah. seem like there's a big market for tattoo artwork on canvas. It yeah. just, you know, that person goes, oh, that's awesome. Can you put that on my yeah, leg? Right. You know? that's like, true. Yeah, they that's don't. true. Yeah. So, and I think that's why, like I said, you can go to a tattoo shop and just, or a tattoo art show and just pick up some amazing paintings for next to nothing because yeah. they're just, yeah, their value to their collectors is in what they're, you know, putting on the skin. It, it seems to me anyway, because, right. yeah, I've seen the same thing. I'll go to these shows and there's amazing paintings and they're priced so well and uh, almost nothing will sell. Yeah, and it, yeah. it always just blows my mind. And that, it's, yeah, because it's happen. like it's not like these people who get these tattoo collectors don't have money because obviously they, right. tattoos are expensive. So it's, yep. I guess it's just, you know, they're into tattoos. They're into the 
art of the tattoo on their body rather than their, mm-hmm. their home. But yeah, I, was, they, I guess they kind of want to wear their collection around with them. Right. Or, you know, <laughs> it's like a different outlook on collecting. Whereas like, yeah. I want to hang stuff on our walls and we have like our art collection. I guess they like to, you know, so yeah, the different, you know, different, uh, different collector mindset. But yeah, I do. I do see that. I see tattooers struggle to sell their paintings. And I really think it's unfortunate because they're, there's some, a lot there's of, like the, you said, yeah. amazing. There's some of know. the best painters in the dark art world are tattooers, I think. Absolutely. There's some fucking yeah. amazing, like, uh, uh, Christian Perez, I think. Is, is Have you seen his paintings? I think it's Christian. God, I hope I'm not no, wrong. I don't think I know him. <laughs> I have to look now. Um, <laughs> uh, or let's see, uh, Nick, uh, you know, Nick, you know, Nick, oh, God, what's his last name? Nick, he's like a huge tattooer. He does these amazing. Oh, Nico Hurtado. No, not Nico's another one. Nico's another oh, okay. one who's amazing. Who's like <laughs> Nick? I don't know if I know oh, someone named Nick. Yes, you do. Everybody knows him. Do. Um, <laughs> it is. I think it is. It is Christian Perez who's amazing. Uh, okay, painter. Okay, oh, I'll have to Nick. Up. Nick Baxter. Nick Baxter, right? You don't know Nick Baxter? Terrible with names. I'm oh, sorry. Oh my god! Wait a minute. <laughs> I, I mean, he is, as a painter, I mean, as a tattooer, he's fucking, Phenomenal. I mean. I'm definitely, just, you know, I'm so guilty in the in the tattoo world and in, in the painting yeah. world. Like, if I don't, if they're not part of the kind of, like, if they're not a neo-traditional tattooer or, like, a really old school kind of, you know, I sometimes don't know their names and right, I feel really yeah. awful about that. Yeah, and no, I, we're, we're not. Same thing within the fine art world. Like, if you're not kind of doing the lowbrow dark art right. pop like I have a really bad time with that. And sometimes there are these super famous blue chip, you know, artists that are alive right now. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, sound we're, totally we're, ignorant. Plus we're not, we're not good with names. It's not our skill set. You got to look no, up, look up Nick Baxter. I got to get him on the show okay. actually come to think of it. Okay. If he did. He's so his tattoos. Are, like when I see his tattoo work, I just I can't believe it. He's that yeah. good of a tattooer. And what, his pa- st- what style is like it? Like super, like DMT inspired weirdness, but super psychedelic, but really, really, really tight and realistic. Okay, you know, kind of guy Guy Atchison. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And okay. On that level of amazing, another guy I want to get on the show. Um, guy Atchison, yeah. Yeah, he's so cool. <clears throat> yeah, he just put out that book. Um, gosh, what is it? Like the Encyclopedia Biomechanica. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, t- Terry's in there. Oh, cool. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so he's oh, got okay. some stuff in there. Terry does a lot of that biomechanical stuff. Um, but oh, cool. yeah, so I know who Guy Atchison is. You know, I'm probably going to go on Instagram. Yeah, you're going to see Nick Baxter. And, and I'm going to uh, feel like an idiot for saying that. But but yeah, I really, <laughs> if they're not neo-traditional artists or like a, you know, like Guy Atchison, I, you know, I know who he is. But um. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I stink at names, and I just and I probably look at the guy's work, and I'll know it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that yeah. point. Point being, there's just some of the most some of the best painters are tattooers, and so yeah, I, I um, I I I wish that more would would be you know showing more and, and uh, yeah, you know. But a lot of times they're they're really good collectors too, like right. you were saying. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Very supportive, also of you know, like you were saying, the dark art and. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot right. of low brown pop surrealism and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, it's pretty it. awesome. 
They're, yeah. They're great. I love I, them. I mean, I, I love seeing artists collect other artists' work, whether they be, you know, tattooers or painters or whatever. But I just think, you know, supporting each other and um and buying each other's work when we can, I think is super awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say one thing I was going to say about the the collector mindset we were talking about is the cool thing about being a tattoo collector is that you always carry your collection with you. So right. You can show yeah. it to anybody at any time. And it's like it's, yeah. you wear it. It's that's that's like kind of an amazing thing that you can't have uh, with your paintings other, other than like showing pictures on your phone. It's not the same thing. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I think about that with tattoo collectors because, you know, you'll go over to a collector's house and oftentimes they're so excited to show you their art collection and so enthusiastic about it. And yeah, it must be neat to be a tattoo collector and just, you know, be able to walk around and, and do that same thing with your collection. But it's, you know, just right there for everybody to right. see. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need I need to collect more work. I don't I don't think I have a piece from you. Oh, um, well. I have so many artist friends that I don't have pieces from. Um, but I, I, my, yeah, my collection is from, I can usually only afford to, unless I kind of find up and comers that I like, um, yes. my, my, my bigger artists I've done through trades, you know, right. cause I can't, yeah. that's like the, the cool in that we have is that we can yeah, trade yeah. artwork I know with each other. Stephanie talked about that too, where it's like, we can't afford each other's artwork yeah. oftentimes. <laughs> and yeah, I have, I have a Travis Louie and I'm so grateful that he traded with yeah, me. Yeah, same he here. I do too. No way. Yeah. Like no way could I afford a Travis Louie. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's, that's super cool. Um, but yeah, I, you know, that's, that's the way I've gotten most of the artwork that I have. I, I have a couple of Dan Quintana's prints, you know, cause mm. I could afford those, but um, I do have an original drawing from him. That was a gift. Um, cause same thing. I couldn't, you know, yeah. I just can't swing it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I would love to, but yeah. He's doing, uh, I got to get him on sh- to the show too. You Dan should. Him He's... And uh, his girlfriend, uh, Karen Miso is amazing as well. Oh, really? Yeah. She does a lot of phenomenal, um, dark art and she, where the heck did Karen, what college did she go to? What's I'm like blanking on it. The super famous one in Pasadena art center. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So Karen went there, I believe. And then, um, she does a lot of really, really nice uh, artwork. I've shown with her at Lelou's a few times and her and Dan, and I want to say Liz McGrath and Esau. And I think Adam Walkovage was there for a minute. And anyways, they all share a big studio. Oh, really? Um, yeah. In downtown LA and it's super awesome. But yeah, Karen's work is really nice. Also, I think her and Dan, they would both be really cool to have on. Yeah, he's doing like yeah. commercial stuff now. I I, I know like it's the, all those Batman's and, and yeah, the movie posters. Yeah, yeah that's really awesome. That's crazy. It's super cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's weird to see. I I see um people doing artists getting into more commercial work, like doing uh, movie posters, and I see some doing creature yeah. creature designs and stuff, and it's. It's weird to me because I did everything I could to escape that world, you know, and, <laughs> and, and they're all getting into it, yeah. Yeah. but it's like, I, I, I get it because I remember the, the money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. But yeah, I, same thing. I've seen a lot of, I don't know if like DC and Marvel are approaching them, but I've seen a lot of fine artists starting to do these, you know, like alternate covers yeah, and yeah, yeah just really interesting stuff for, for comics. And yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And it's, it's interesting too to see God. I'm blanking on his name. There's an artist that's just straight up a fine artist. I can't think of his name right now, but um, yeah, I've seen he's been doing some of that stuff, and I was shocked. Like he's one of the last people I would ever expect to see do this 
you know, comic book right. work. So it's super cool that the comics are kind of branching out and getting some of these fine artists to do these like alternate covers and stuff. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's there's a there's a price to do kind of do your own thing. That's for sure. That's one thing I've learned. Yeah, it's it's weird to have, you know, desperately left a business that was paying so well to to mm-hmm. to, to go to a business that is so amazing creatively, but so such hard work and such so hard to make money at. You know, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. And we live in a country that just, you know, by and large does not value their artists. You know, I right. mean, there's a few niche things you can do and maybe you'll be super successful if you can, you know, break into Hollywood or something like that. But for the most part, I just feel like America does not support their artists. And so it's, it's incredibly hard to make a, a living um, in the United States as a, as an artist. I don't know like what the statistics are as far as like people that are able to to do that as they're living. But um, you know, and 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 then so a lot of us end up trying to find art jobs that we can do where we're still involved in the arts. You know, right. but um, you know maybe it's more commercial artwork or tattooing or teaching or you know whatever it is, so that we're still doing art, we're still involved in the art, but you know we can survive. We can. Right our bills we can eat we're not living off credit cards and top ramen like right well that's yeah, but, that's yeah. that's where tattooing was is like a real blessing for people for artists yeah you know, absolutely it's like yeah i agree huge huge um opportunity safety net in a way for for fine artists you know yeah yeah yep it's one of the like few yeah art routes yeah. i think people can take and actually right. you know, <laughs> really make a decent like you're not going to be rich and there's no like tattoo or retirement plan and all that stuff but um but you don't know you know you you can make some kind of a living doing that whereas yeah, um, yeah otherwise you know it can be very difficult you don't have to you know suck up to all the corporate suits of the film industry mm-hmm. and stuff like that and and uh, a lot of the illustration type work is maybe a lot of that kind of um corporate that's one thing it's not corporate tattoo, tattoo world is not corporate absolutely not <laughs> yeah 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 so like you said Another you have the customers thing. and now we have this new weird yelp thing right which is total bs but you know you have to make your customers happier they're gonna go on yelp and say something crappy about you but right. um <laughs> but yeah you don't have you know the corporate aspect like you were talking about and i feel like even with some of the illustration stuff i talked to my friends that are illustrators and um you know, they kind of have the art director, like just so many revisions and so many this and so many that. Yeah. And it just, it seems to me very, um, potentially really headachey art industry to be in. Um, Mm -hmm. and tattooing, it's kind of like, if your client's super headachey at some point, you can just go, I'm not going to tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) And we're done. So how, how, uh, how often, I mean, what's your schedule like as far as painting versus tattooing and how, what's the balance and Um, so I think with the tattooing, it's funny, it's kind of like very seasonal. Um, so there's certain like around Christmas time, it slows down a lot. Um, so a lot of people are traveling, they're buying presents, they're, um, buying gift certificates maybe for the tattoo shop, but they're not getting tattooed Mm. so much. Um, so yeah, winter's usually really slow. And then, you know, there's just little blips here and there, like when rents do stuff like that, where you might with taxes or do things like that. Cause you know, essentially it's, um, I don't want to say. It's just if you've got bills to pay or you've got presents to buy for your kid or something, that's going to take precedence probably over you, you know, getting a tattoo. So it, it seems to like ebb and flow with with certain things like that. Um, tax refund time is usually a great time for tattooing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this summer, you know, some of the college students are off. They'll come get tattooed, uh, stuff like that. So 
Yeah. I mean, I would say on a busy week, I'm, I'm there four days a week on a slower week, maybe, maybe three days a week, you know, and I'll do a couple either like, um, maybe like two small tattoos or I'll do, you know, one big one. So I think the longest tattoo sessions, I tend to sit for like six to seven hours. Mm -hmm. Um, so pretty much if the client can sit, I'll sit. Um, cause I'd rather just get as much done as I can on them. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, and then, it, you know, it takes some time to set up and break down and then I'm right. drawing for tattoos a lot as well. So there's a lot of time where I'm home, but I'm drawing for my tattoo appointment. How often are you painting? Are, are, are uh, you painting every day or are you, are you painting? No, definitely not. So I've had some stuff come up in my personal life recently that, um, kind of took me away from painting for a little bit. So, you know, I turned down some of the um, shows I was offered recently just because I, I had some stuff going on. And, um, but I would say on average, um, when I do have a show coming up, I'm usually painting five or six days a week. If I don't have a big deadline and I'm just kind of casually painting or I'm doing some group shows, uh, usually four days a week, I'll spend, you know, some time here and there. So not, you know, like 10 hours straight or anything, but right. you know, I'll spend some time painting, um, four so or five days a week when, yeah, I don't that's have cool. like a big deadline. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. You can you're still you're still painting a lot. So yeah, 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 I still do. I like I said, with the exception of maybe the last month or two. But um, right. that was the first time in my adult life where I was like, oh, stuff's getting crazy. Like yeah. I need to kind of say no to some shows and handle some stuff. Um, some like adulting. But um, I, I hate uh, yeah, when I can't the, paint. Most part. I, when yeah, I, when I have stuff comes drag. up and I can't paint, it, I get I get uh, depressed. Definitely. You know, Absolutely. It really affects yep. me uh, emotionally. And and then when yep. I do paint and I do a successful painting, I'm just like high from it. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 same thing. I have like, you know, a very um, kind of emotional connection to my my artwork in that sense as well. Right. Where something's going well and you're like, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> and then when it's kind of not or it's in that awkward oh yeah state, when it's not going, clicking going it's, in a good direction or not it's and, the worst it's such a bad feeling you feel like yes I just and feel then like sometimes shit. i'll sit there and yes yes <laughs> or i'll like push through like oh i'm gonna fix it and then i just make it worse and worse and worse and then you know there's that funny quote i i keep seeing it pop up online people keep posting about the girl that like thought she did this amazing painting and then she woke up in the morning and saw she had made a real piece of shit. Right. And like, <laughs> yeah, you know, that sometimes happens. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that, that's always a, you know, when a painting like defeats me, um, I yeah. can, I can get a little down. So you got to get back up on the horse and whatever, and try to figure out why whatever I did wasn't working. But I think one of the best feelings is when you think something's really going off the rails and then all of a sudden, right at the end, it just all comes yeah, together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. The it's hardest, a great feeling. the hardest thing is when you know, the answer is to put the painting aside. It's not working. Uh -huh. It's not going to work yeah. no matter what you do today. Yeah. There's a, you have to put it down. And when you start on it next time, you'll be able to get it going that feeling at the end of the day when you have to put this shitty painting away and it's such a terrible feeling that you're like, you know, right. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You're like, Oh, what if this, this is turd is sitting here? Like just, yeah, I just feel like, you know, they talk about people having like money burning a hole in their pocket or whatever. I feel like I have a crappy painting burning a right. hole in my easel and I just don't want to leave it until I fix whatever's wrong. But you don't, you know, you just make it worse and worse yeah. and worse. And you get frustrated and you're like, I just, like you said, I need to walk away, but sometimes it's so hard to do that because you just, you want to go to bed knowing you got it back on yeah, track. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a, it's a 
so frustrating. It is. And then add a deadline to that. Oh, it's just man, like, yeah. holy crap. Like, I remember being in Hawaii one time. We went to go out for a tattoo convention, actually. And I had a deadline coming up. And so I took my painting with me. And this painting started going horribly south in this hotel <laughs> in Hawaii. And I'm just having this like kind of meltdown moment where I'm like this beach, like I can see the beach from the hotel window. It looks so beautiful. And I so want to be out there. And I'm just cracking away at this crappy painting. That's just not <laughs> going the way I want it to at all. But I had this deadline that I right. had to hit. And, uh, you know, in the end, it was so funny. I pulled it together. And I think at least for me, it's one of my favorite paintings that I've done and mm. I love it. And I use it all the time for any time I have to promote anything. That's like one of the paintings I put on there. And I just, but every time I look at it, I just laugh. Cause I think about, you know, me sitting in this hotel room in Hawaii. going, ah, why aren't you just working? Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's funny that so, sometimes those really difficult paintings end up being your favorites. And then sometimes they end up being not your favorites, oh, but you yeah. know, you still pull it off, but it's yep. just, you have this kind of negative feeling attached to it. But oh yeah, you, you never can tell. Some it's like some are easy, some are really hard. It's such yep. a crapshoot all the time, you know. It really is, yeah, yeah. Just like you said, I mean, I could never say like, oh, when you persevere through a crappy painting, you know, that's they, you know, they tend to be my favorite. Because no, same thing. Yeah, sometimes I, I there's some real stinkers out there. That I'm just like, <laughs> oh man, I, you know, just keep that in the closet forever. But um, <laughs> then I've got some other ones that I just, you know, I just struggled the whole time, and then it came out really well, right. or, or vice versa. There's some that just came out, I think, you know, really well right away, and then other ones that came out what I thought was really well right away. And then on hindsight, I went, yeah. well, you know, <laughs> I don't know. You know that, that you did that one painting of, uh, of a, of like a shadow a hooded shadow holding a skull. Oh yeah. I yeah. love that painting. That painting is so oh, cool. You. I just, thank you so much. The first time I saw it, I was just kind of, when I was researching it, it's like, I love that painting. It's so, I, it's one of those ones. I wish I thought of that. It's so simple, <laughs> you know, and creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That was, a, that was one of the ones that was a little faster. I remember that one. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, it, you know, you don't have to line eyeballs up and nostrils right. That's and true. two That's cylinders. True. And yeah, it's like, just here you go. It's a black shroud. And right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yep. So. Okay. Well, um, we're, we're nearing the end. I want to ask you one more thing. Okay. Technical question. Sure. Cause we're almost, we're almost at two hours. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, how do you, how do you approach the paintings? Do you, do you plan them out and sketch them or are you more improvisational with it? Do you just kind of go with start painting or is it like, do you do studies and drawings? Cause I'm more of like a study. I used to be more like, just start painting, but now I'm like studies and drawings and, and all the technical stuff. Cause I just, yeah, I like, I like the process better when I'm, when I have something to refer to and when I'm more prepared just at this stage of my, my painting life. So I'm curious. Yeah, you do like little color studies yeah. and things too, right? Yeah. 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 I always, I, I, if I, I, if I don't do a study now, I feel like weird. Like, right. yeah. and before it was like, I had to twist my, twist my own arm to do a study. Cause I was so anxious to do the painting, but now it's like, I, yeah. I can't do it without a study kind of, it's weird. Yeah, I think, um, and again, I, I have an art teacher that was really trying to hammer this into me. So I know I always frustrated the hell out of him with this, but, um, I, 
am the type that will kind of, so I'll do a drawing and that's mm. my preliminary. I do a drawing, maybe a tiny little value indication here and there on the drawing. And then I jump right into the painting. Mm. And so I am not fixing the problems with the drawing first. Right. And so then it gets into like, either I'm polishing a turd where I'm just never fixing right. the problems or I'm going back at a later stage and trying to fix the problems that I should have addressed in the drawing. And by the time I come to that teacher and say, what did I do wrong? He's going, you could have come to me 20 yeah, steps ago, you know, you and so. we could have resolved this. <laughs> yeah. What you did wrong was you didn't plan enough. And I remember Christian Rex Van Minen saying how you start a painting is either, uh, you know, a high five to your future self or a giant fuck you to your future <laughs> self. And, uh, I, I think I'm more in the giant fuck you to my future <laughs> self category, but I'm really trying to be better about that. So I definitely don't go in and just start directly painting unless I'm doing an ala prima, um, head study or something like that, which is not what I do, you know, for my fine art stuff for like the galleries and things. So when I do that, even when I'm just jumping in and I should have spent more time planning, uh, I always do start with a drawing. Okay. So I'll kind of start with my drawing and then I, you know, go from there. But um, I really, 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 really need to start planning better. <laughs> do, so do you start yeah, kind of like, yeah, do ahead. you start with an idea and then do a drawing or do you because when I usually when I start drawing, I'm kind of like I just doodle and I don't really have oh, an idea. Yeah. But um, I know a lot of artists have a have an idea in mind. and It's like, OK, I'm going to put this idea down. And then they do the drawing. What is it? With I you? always start with the idea first. Okay. Yeah, I do. Like what so you want I'll the painting the... to convey or what the image right, is going to be yeah. or Okay. Usually both. So what I'll, what I'll do is, um, you know, especially if I'm doing a themed show, like I'm doing a solo show or I'm doing a group show that has a theme or, you know, a theme I came up with myself. So I'll kind of do my research phase mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll gather all the information. And I'll come up with like my unifying theme for this show. And then I, I kind of want to dig into that. So I really love reading. It's like, it's my biggest, aside from painting, it is like my biggest passion yeah, in life. I, I read too. a lot. You do too. Yeah. yeah I, love, I reading. love reading. Yeah. So so I'll, you know, kind of dig into all that information because that to me is a really fun part. So I research, I take notes, you know, I do all the yeah. stuff and then I'll do little sketches. I'll try to now I've gotten into trying to shoot a little bit of photo reference. You kind of mm -hmm. talked about that mm -hmm. earlier, how you thought you saw that in my work. So I'll try to do that a little more um, because stylistically it's what I was going for. Whereas I think like we talked about before, I was going for more of like a gothic kind of out of your head kind right. of exaggerated thing. So now I'm you know, using a little more reference. So I'll shoot some reference and then, you know, I'll, I'll have my drawing and then I'll just jump into it. So that's the part where I think I could slow down a little, like you were saying, um, cause I think I'm still at that stage that you were at before where I really want to get to that painting. Yeah. That's the fun part. I want to do the painting. And I feel that way with tattooing too. Like, Oh, I'm putting your stencil on. Oh, I'm doing the outline. Oh, I'm yay color. You know, like, <laughs> the color come, yay. This is the part I love. Um, so I do that with the painting too. I just, I really want to jump into the painting part. And I think, it would behoove me to slow down, do some value studies, do some color studies. Like I have an iPad pro that I use for drawing for my tattoos. So I could, you know, pop my drawing into there and mess around with some right. different lighting scenarios and colors. And uh, I just don't. So you know, there's <laughs> hey. a part of me that's like, Oh, it's just organically coming out of me. This is awesome. But when it goes astray, then yeah. I'm like, Oh crap. You know, like, yeah, that's what that out a little better. That's <laughs> what got me. Um, uh, to doing the studies is that I would, you know, find myself in a situation where I spent all this time on, on this amazing rendering and the paint. I love the painting, but everything is just like a little too far to one side or something. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just, yep. it, it happened enough times where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a study, and then I just kept um, 
doing them. And now I find that it makes the, the painting process easier. You know, there's I hear like that from kind, so many people. Yeah. Of, it's, it's faster and it's, and it's more fun because I've got the colors figured out. There's less thinking involved, I guess. It's, it's more just like yep. painting and, uh, I don't know. I just enjoy it more. I never thought I would, but, but, um, I get where you're coming from though, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I really want to get more into your mindset where I'm able to do those <laughs> things and enjoy them because I, I am, I'm, you know, I'm rushing for the dessert first right. and maybe not <laughs> I'm with the green beans. So, um, yeah, I should, you can't have any pudding if you that. don't eat your meat. Right. <laughs> you know, I gotta say too, like, I feel like through my whole art career, you know, I'll check in on your Facebook page and every time, every once in a while you have these little like Chet isms. And I feel like you could just have like a book of Chet isms. I think one of my favorites was you said something like, um, you know, life like painting is all about getting your values straight. <laughs> right. or some, that yeah. was like my favorite one. And I think I'm going to even repost it on my Facebook page. And I've repeated it to people before, too. Like, oh, well, you know what Chet said? And uh, because it's 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 so like you said, kind of sometimes there's like so much uh, profound whatever and something so simple where I'm like, oh, I wish I thought just <laughs> Because it is so true, um, a, oh, you know, a you. painting with bad values is going to fall apart, you right. know, just like a life or a person with bad values right. is going to yeah. fall apart. I, so, you know, for a while, yeah, for a while I was, I, I appreciate that for a while I was, um, I started noticing all these parallels between painting and life and I started writing them yeah. down somewhere in some notebook. It's like all these like parallels to creating a good painting and living a good life. And I was thinking, oh, I should write a book. Like just because yeah. it was, I was there were so many analogies that I was coming up with. Like I can't even think of any now, but uh, that's funny. <laughs> someday, yeah, I'll, someday yeah, I'll do I'd a love quote. That one. I have to go. I have to go through <laughs> ten years of Facebook posts because I just like think of they pop in my head, and I either think they're funny or, or interesting, and I just write them, and then I forget to put them on Facebook, and I forget about them. But uh, yeah go through 10 years of posts to gather everything. <laughs> I think you should. Are you, so I'm not really active on there, but are you on Twitter? I have it hooked to my Instagram account. So okay. it's like everything I post it on Instagram. Seems like they would be like, yeah, they would be like the perfect thing for like, if you started right. your own Twitter account, just for Chetisms, you know, and <laughs> just with, and that's the whole Twitter account. is just Chet's reflections on the parallels between painting and life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> maybe we should start a separate account for that. <laughs> I think you absolutely should. At Chetisms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think this has been a, a really great conversation. You're you're awesome. super easy to interview. So yay, um, good. Yeah, that, was, hear that, that was awesome. Um, I can't wait to post. I hope it. I didn't have too many ums and likes. And, yeah, I, I was just know, thinking I had I had I had more ums and likes than you did. I'm positive. I don't know. We'll have to tally. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> No, you were great. You were perfect. Oh, so, good. well, um, thank you for taking the time to do this. And, Absolutely. Uh, Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. Um, thank you, everybody out in the world for listening. And uh, please continue to share the podcast and uh, get this out. It's all been kind of a word of mouth thing. And if you want to support, you can support for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Society, And then you get the podcast today early. So that's it. Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you, everybody, Thanks. for listening. Yeah. Say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you. <laughs>